0: Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure.
1: For my ally is the force and the power for You think that's air you're breathing
2: in? Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest
1: the glory of God.
0: Welcome back to the Urban Yogi Podcast. This is now part two of our interview with the amazing Tom Barnett. Tom Barnett is a brother from another mother for sure. Uh, He lives in Australia, and I really love everything that this man stands for. And when I first came across him uh, near the beginning of this whole uh, shenanigan global situation, uh, it was through this viral video that he released where he just calmly and groundedly and assertively spoke about how what we were taught about uh, so-called viruses is not true and based on fraudulent scientific data, uh, namely the work of a fellow named Louis Pasteur, who came up with the idea to uh, cook the hell out of everything, aka pasteurization, um, which in maybe certain cases can be good, right? But, for example, in other cases, it's really, really not good. Like, I love raw milk, and I can only get it by going to the States because it's illegal in Canada. Uh, one great thing I did find out is in Canada, raw cheese is still allowed. So I do get my good raw cheese shipped in from Quebec. Uh, it's lancetre. Uh, Lancet, Lancet is how you pronounce it. Uh, brand. My brother's uh, girlfriend um, is French, so I learned that from her, how to pronounce it correctly. But anyway, uh, we have Tom on the show again. And we get into the nitty gritty of uh, germ theory versus bioterrain theory, and it was really just great to connect with this brother um, because he really embodies sort of the way that I wish to be in the world. Um, he's he's a bit older than me. I think he's he said he's forty. I'm thirty five, so he's just another human that I look up to. And um, you know, they say you can't be what you can't see, and so I'm really grateful that. Tom Barnett is so vocal and visible and is willing to put himself up there because I really get the feeling he could he, he doesn't want to be talking about this stuff. He'd re- much rather be serving, surfing and uh, you know living his life and so I really I'm really grateful that he was willing to to take a stand and speak up uh, at this time. So thank you Tom for being on the show and I hope that everybody enjoys uh, our interview and also know that Tom is available for one-on-one uh, health coaching. He's extremely knowledgeable in the field of holistic health. And wellness and nutrition uh, and lifestyle habits. So please do send him an email at info at uh, And I'll put all that in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy part two of my interview with Mr. Tom Barnett. Cloud. Awesome. So we got Tom Barnett on the show for a second time. I'm so grateful. Thanks for being here, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Will. It was, good. it was good fun last time, so it's good to be back. Awesome. Well, let's just get right into it. Um, so this is from Amanda Vollmer's page. She mirrored something from a scientist uh, named Dr. David Rasnick. And he he was really instrumental, along with Peter Duisberg, two scientists in sort of blowing the whistle on the whole HIV AIDS scam in the 80s. And of course, they were ostracized from the scientific community, but they're still doing research and still going strong. Um, so, is AIDS caused by HIV? There's a long-standing debate between scientists and clinicians about the cause of HIV-AIDS that relates to what causes it. HIV is a retrovirus. None have ever been shown to cause disease in humans. All known viral diseases have demonstrable viral particles that can be isolated and shown to infect other humans. This has never been done with a, with HIV AIDS. The HIV virus is a passenger virus that is a marker of AIDS, but is not a cause. So I'm just wondering sort of what your response would be to that. We were talking about Dr. Zach Bush talking about viruses being updates. We're talking uh, about Andy Kaufman saying viruses are exosomes, they're just cell poops. Uh, and then you were saying perhaps there was a uh, some sort of bioweapon put into the hepatitis B vaccine that killed off a lot of gay men and then Africans. Uh, so th- there's all these different sort of, you know, uh, things going on. What what would you say to sort of clarify it all?
3: Yeah, well, definitely it's not caused by, AIDS isn't caused by HIV. There's, um, I mean, I watched some of that interview. I didn't get through the whole thing, but he was also saying that it can't be sexually transmittable. So that whole STD idea of AIDS and HIV is a fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is, you know, a lot of people talk about various things. So they talk about things like AIDS. They talk about, uh, what else? You know, like uh, Spanish flu and swine flu and and pandemics and this, that, and the other. And they can attribute it to a number of different things. Zach Bush says it's it's. Virome, you know updates genome updates and then other people like uh forget who wrote it but whoever wrote the invisible rainbow he says that that oh, yeah. that always translates to a rise in electromagnetic or radio frequencies anytime that there was an upgrade there was a corresponding pandemic for example but if you look at what happened around each of those times, there was also a heavy prevalence of vaccines put in at the same time, injectables into the body. So, mm. my understanding is still that you can only get these viruses that are non natural or non native, I should say, into the bloodstream via injection. So, you mm. can actually follow the exact uh, medical and money trail for the AIDS, um, you know. P- pandemic epidemic whatever you want to call it in Mm -hmm. africa from the vials of smallpox vaccines that came from america and the uk and where it was developed in ucla in 1961 or 62 whatever that was it's like you can actually trace that right back so to suggest that there's any natural form of hiv or aids or any kind of virus that's going along with that that is sexually transmissible or anything is just you you can't find evidence for that Mm -hmm. so uh yeah, that's, that's where I gravitate towards. Are there other possibilities? Yeah, absolutely. And can they tie in together? Definitely. Like the, the electromagnetic side of things can absolutely tie in. And I believe that when these things are put out, they are put out together because they do work together. It's mm-hmm. not just electromagnetic or electrosmog. It's not just vaccines. It's the fact that it all works together to contribute to the trauma of the body and the cells. So that's... That's my understanding, not saying I'm the world's greatest expert on it all, but I have looked into a lot of it. That's my understanding, and I guess it's up to people to get a few different, you know, um, sources of information or ways that things could happen and make their own decisions on that.
0: Yes, um, I think that's a really good answer. And I think sometimes humans, we want to say, oh, it's one cause. You know, even going back to 1984 when the... um, there was a press conference uh, done by the U S government to the American people. And they brought up this scientist named uh, Dr. Robert Gallo, who's since been uh, defunded for scientific misconduct. Um, But he basically said the probable cause of AIDS is HIV. And then the next day they erased probable, Um, you know, and, and, even the co-discoverer of the so-called HIV particle, uh, Luke Mon- Dr. Luc Montagnier, he has said in an interview, and anybody can watch this on YouTube, um, it's part of a documentary called House of Numbers. Uh, he, he said that one can be exposed to this virus multiple times and not become chronically infected if they have good nutrition and clean drinking water. So if the person who discovered this is saying that, I think that needs to be taken into account. Um, So it's, as you said, it's, it's not one, one thing causing a phenomenon. Like we have to look at, you know, for example, the current pandemic, Krispy Kreme teaming up with big pharma. I don't know if you've heard about this, but (laughs) yeah, literally if you present your vaccination card to Krispy Kreme, you will actually get a free donut every year, every day this year. (laughs) Yeah. So we just have to, you know, we have to look at things like that and we have to go, okay, we have to address the terrain before we go fighting anything. Even if you do are super, super avid believer in germ theory, wouldn't you agree that we have to address the terrain before we go fighting things? And I want to just share with you a quote from Dr. Kelly Brogan, because I was asking her about this, all this stuff a few years ago. She said, The truth is we have no idea what HIV, and you could insert coronavirus here as well. We have no idea what HIV is. Many believe that it has never even been isolated as a virus. What antibodies mean, many believe that they are normative or even healthy. And anytime we are dealing with a syndrome, for example, depression, Lyme disease, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, candida, we have to always address the terrain first before we go into jump into fighting anything. Moreover, recent science around exosomes helps us to see the viruses are no different than these messenger vesicles, cell poops, uh, that we use for our own DNA expression, not to mention that some 45% or more of our genome is viral in origin. There's a lot more nefarious info on pharma's agenda with these drugs, particularly abroad, and you could insert vaccines here, but know that it reeks of public health manipulation biopolitics style. In short, never ingest disabling chemicals or be injected with chemicals that render you a patient for life when that decision is predicated on outdated scientific narratives and robust industry profits. So that's that's from Kelly Brogan, and that really yeah. makes sense. It's great.
3: I love Kelly's work. Yeah, We've got a lot yeah. of respect.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's great. So let's take it. Let's take it to the current sort of situation. Can you tell me a little bit more about your understanding of some? You're talking about the invisible rainbow. Something about five G. We know that in many vaccinations there are uh, aluminum particles you know, without getting too conspiratorial, can you tell me what your view is on, on that? And as you were saying, how everything sort of works together for certain, maybe not the most positive purposes?
3: Yeah, well, everything, that's a thing, but everything also has multiple purposes within each dynamic. So, you know, aluminium has multiple purposes of why it's used in various uh, circumstances and situations. So, Aluminium, first of all, is uh, it's a neurotoxin and a neurodisruptor. So when mm-hmm. it's in the body, it will, as a metallic mineral, it will uptake to various uh, parts in the body, rece- various receptor that mm-hmm. aren't supposed to take up, you know, injected or ingested aluminiums or anything like that. So
0: I've been doing your- ionic foot baths to to get the aluminium out. I don't know if you're familiar with that.
3: Yeah, uh, what well, ionic ones or do you put a,
0: a chemical in there? Uh, I just put in sea salt and then it's an ionic, you know, uh, it basically feeds high amounts of negative ions into, into yeah. the body through the feet. And then according to the work of Dr. Dietrich Klinghart, it's not about what color the water turns because the water will turn color even if your feet aren't in there. Yeah. It's, it triggers your, your kidneys and your um, liver to excrete the aluminum in the days after you do the treatment. Mm. So that yeah. I found that's been helpful for people listening. If you want to uh, get the aluminum out of you, ionic foot baths, according to Dietrich Klinghart.
3: Yeah, I, I'm. Um, I do like those. They're they're not really accessible for everybody because I think they're seven or eight hundred dollars. So it's uh, not mine for one
0: hundred and sixty. <coughs> the the uh, yeah, cool. positive side of Siri spying on us. Is I started talking about ionic foot baths and then all of a sudden on Instagram stories, it was all these ads for 50% off. (laughs) Yeah,
3: right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, um, no, I I think they're good. I think they have a lot of value. Uh, It's got, it's very complex though. You know, aluminium has a lot of different, um, for example, it's got a very close relationship with mercury. If mercury is high in the body, your aluminium is going to be high too. Aluminium can actually circulate relatively freely and not really bind too well in the body. But when there are other metallic minerals that it has the high affinity with, then that's when you have problems and it's harder to get the aluminium out. Uh, There's a very good reason they put it into, you know, things like vaccines. They say it's as an uh, adjuvant, a stabilizer, but there's a lot of things that can do that. Why would you choose aluminium uh, to put into vaccines, for example? Uh, They spray it in the air. That's well documented. You know, you can call chemtrails a conspiracy as much as you like, but if you look at military and NASA data and anywhere else, they actually say what they're spraying in the air and aluminium is part of it the reasons that they give for it aren't obviously the real reasons to actually spray it they say it's due to uh you know what does it do it helps conduct various things drop heat from the atmosphere or whatever they say it does but they okay. call it chuff they call it they actually say that that's what it is and uh so yeah they're spraying this stuff barium strontium and other uh, other elements as well so that's there in the airwaves so what does that do well it's a very good conductor and then when you do have um you know if you do have towers or you do have devices that emit certain radio or electromagnetic frequencies well then they do interact very well with particles of for example aluminium and then therefore not just in the air but also in the body as well so it can act as a transmitting a transmitting vessel makes the air more conductive for example right so um Yeah. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things, like I say, there's too many things that it does, not just in isolation, but in relation to other uh, you know, particles or other whatever around them, around it in the body, how does it co-interact and everything. So I guess the short story though, is that it's not good. It's never good to have them in the air or in the body because it can only be there unless there's some positive reason for it to be there where there's not, no Mm -hmm. one can show that then they shouldn't be there.
0: Amen, brother. And and I'll also add, Dr. Klinghart says that in addition to the aluminum, he's also found glyphosate in the chemtrail sprayings. We know glyphosate is also not good for humans. And for those of you who are like, whoa, these guys are way out to lunch. This is a conspiracy. I just did some research on the spraying of glyphosate by the British Columbia, Canada government. Literally, they actually spray the forests with glyphosate so i mean it's not a conspiracy people you can this is even on google it's not been edited off google yet like the government is literally spraying the forests with glyphosate why do they need to do that because of invasive species there's other ways to deal with that Um, exactly when the side effects of glyphosate are so severe and they're always trying to downplay it but again exactly you you can google there's billions of dollars of lawsuits against monsanto now owned by Bayer, which is a pharmaceutical company. That's not a conflict of interest uh, for people who've gotten lymphoma directly because of glyphosate exposure. So it's not like you just have to do your research, people. It's not like a conspiracy. It's real. Yeah, <laughs> do hey, your guess,
3: <laughs> guess who bought? Guess who bought Blackwater? Like what was that? Seven or eight years ago. Who? Blackwater is the world's largest um, uh, mercenary uh, company. So people who are ex-military, that they, they become mercenaries most of the time. Who bought that was Monsanto. Why would Monsanto need the world's largest mercenary organization company in the world?
2: <laughs> right.
3: You know, it's just, it's insane. And you know what happens though, is that quite often uh, the companies that make a lot of the chemicals, right? It's expensive to get rid of them. It's expensive to get rid of chemicals. And the the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry ties in with the supplement industry in this regard as well. So rather right. than get rid of it, or uh, dispose of it well which is expensive what they do is they sell it off to people so i know from the people who work in our town who are trying to you know at least give alternatives to using glyphosate they say it for the environment right so we get action groups and we say well Why don't you just not spray that? And we've got free action groups we'll bring in. We'll we'll, uh, weed the sand dunes. We'll do this. We'll do that. Mm No, turns out the reason that they still have to use it is because the companies that want to dispose of it pay them to take it. The companies who need to dispose of the chemicals pay our city council to have a storeroom full of glyphosate. They essentially dump it to them. So then that's them using it. So there's no reason to use it except that they're paid to take the the chemicals so they don't have to dispose of it uh same thing with actually vitamin e vitamin e is actually an offshoot from the film industry it's a highly toxic compound that instead of having to get rid of well or put in big thick they have to like have like foot thick walls and stuff in these vaults in order to contain highly toxic chemicals that's expensive so what do they do they get a chemist to say that hey it's about 30 percent similar to the vitamin e that's found naturally there's your vitamin E. So they actually put that yeah. into vitamin E creams and supplements. And that's what people are eating and putting on their skin is this. It's not really vitamin E. It's a highly toxic offshoot of the film that, you know, film as in uh, rolls of film. That's oh part of it. It's those chemicals. That's what glyphosate is too. Offshoots of chemicals. And then so, they, they, no. well, they go, Hey, look, it sort of kills weed. So therefore there's your, there's your weed, your, your herbicide. And right. then use it on all your stuff. That's why it's out. And that's also why Monsanto is getting lawsuits against them.
0: Oh, my gosh. This is, re- I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, it always seemed curious to me. You know, you go to a, a, a shopper's drug mart, like a drugstore, and, you know, you look at the ingredients in, in like the hair dyes and the creams and the toothpaste. And it's, you know, if you if you swallow this call poison control, like it's all cancer causing crap that people are just inundating themselves with. And then you go to the same place to get your cancer drugs, you know, yeah. and, and all your, so it's just, I mean, to me, it's like, come on people, but, but then you realize people are where they are. Um, even my brother, cause I always talk about, you know, maybe fluoride isn't the best thing to be like putting in the drinking water and like putting on your teeth and swallowing and, And my brother said, oh, you know, I just went to the dentist and the hygienist said, you know, those damn conspiracy theorists who think that fluoride was invented by the Nazis. And, you know, it's fine. And here, just put this tray in your mouth. You're fine. And I went on to PubMed and I I found a bunch of studies that say there is some evidence showing that fluoride calcifies the pineal gland, the intuitive center, the spiritual center. I sent it to my brother. He's like, wow, I didn't I didn't realize there was actually studies showing this. So, um, yeah, I think I think there is sort of a, a dumbing down. There's a dumbification, as my friend Castine calls it, a dumbification of the masses happening, evidenced in getting a free glyphosate laden sugar-filled donut every day once you get your uh, aluminum and your you know uh, nanoparticles and all these different things. We don't really know what's going to be put in the vaccine. I think we know mm-hmm. some of the ingredients, but we don't know all the ingredients. So it's you know, it is what it is. I guess we would probably say. the donuts as well. Like, do you really know all the ingredients in the donuts? <laughs> exactly. Like, what sort of byproducts of what industries are being put in the in the sugar bombs? Mm. We don't know. No. Speaking of of sort of byproducts of industries, have you heard of something called DMSO? Yeah. Okay, because I've started to use DMSO to work on regrowing my hair. Amanda uh, mm. Valmer wrote a book healing with dmso and it's interesting yep. it's, it's a byproduct of the pulp and paper industry mm. and i'm starting to notice like it is i'm putting it on my hair my head with some aloe vera and some essential oil and apparently it really sort of helps drive in whatever you mix it with uh, and i'm getting some some more regrowth i'm not, what do you know anything about dmso or what do you feel about that
3: yeah, uh, I wasn't really aware of the hair regrowth aspect. I mean, a lot of people use it for things like uh, helping with inflammation. So if you've got an injury, usually a sprain or a bruise or a, a whatever, some mm. kind of muscular or tendon or whatever injury, DMSO seems to be really good for that. Um, I do know of uh, vet uh, natural vets that will inject horses, for example, with colloidal silver, DMSO, and uh, mm. a couple of other things um, that they they find really helps the animals uh, yeah it's uh, from what i understand it comes from pine trees it comes from yes. or, uh, whether it's pine is a specific
0: any, birch, birch trees
3: birch, okay right yeah oh, so yeah. it becomes yeah it comes from a specific tree very it's a natural compound so yeah uh right. there's look i don't use it myself i would definitely use it topically i wouldn't use it internally i know some people do really recommend using it internally mm. uh, as well uh anytime you get a really strong odor like people that do that because i've When people are in sport, for example, you know, like anyone in the jujitsu schools, for example, anything that they can use as an edge, short of, you know, performance enhancing drugs and steroids, they want to take, oh, I'll try MCT oil, I'll try CBD oil, I'll try DMSO, I'll try everything to bring down inflammation, things to recover from injuries and training. And anyone that goes on DMSO, you can smell it, comes out of this, it's a sulfuric kind of a smell. So it's like, there's always something that just goes like, how is that really? Yeah, you know, what's that doing? You know, because most of these guys are between 22 and maybe 40. So, or oh, 45. So they're not, it's, it's too hard. You know, anyone can put anything in their body when they're that age and they go, like, oh, it works. I feel great. But it's like, you don't know what negative effects that's happening because at your age and with your level of, uh, you know, intuition and, and how well tapped in you are to your body that you are, you're not really feeling or understanding anything that is not going right. So, uh, yeah, I do. I know that plenty of people swear by DMSO and it is natural product, so I've got nothing against it. I just haven't used it personally, but I have seen a lot of successes by using
0: it for sure. Nice. Yeah. I, I totally remember some people smelling really bad when I was <laughs> wrestling with them in BJJ. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I do notice people who, who take, who internalize it, take it internally. They start to smell like a garlic kind of yeah, smell.
3: That's it. Great. That's that sulfuric kind of gallic
0: smell. Yeah, yeah. Very strong. And I actually, um, I start. I tried taking uh, MMS, Miracle yeah. Mineral Supplement. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and from my understanding, according to the work of Dr. Stephanie Senef out of MIT, it's because because I don't really buy into germ theory. It wasn't that I was trying to kill germs. It was more that it, it helps to break down glyphosate into usable components by the body, according to Seneff. Uh, so I, I started taking that and then I was teaching yoga at a country club and the the front desk lady, I walked, I was like walking far away from her. I wasn't even very close to her. And she's like, can I talk to you for a sec? And I was like, sure. She's like, are you taking MMS? <laughs> and I was like, yes. She's like, oh my God, my mom's like a health nut. And she's obsessed with that. And you both smell the same. <laughs> so I uh, thought, yeah, it's sort of like a chlorine kind of smell that you start to smell like. Yeah um but amanda was saying that mms it's it's not about it doesn't kill things it's more like it feeds electrons into the body so the body can better function Mm. um and really this is like this is why i love talking to people like you is it's like we're 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 training our psyches to get away from this germ warfare ideology that's making big pharma tons of money and is is largely unsubstantiated and you know, it's based on the on the work of a fraudster, you know, Louis Pasteur, yeah. uh, who committed tons of scientific fraud and was never able to prove his theory that uh, that you could infect somebody with an evil virus yeah. or micro. So it's based on scientific fraud, the whole germ theory. And we're moving to, towards this terrain, bioterrain understanding. You know, I'm thinking of people like you, the Alpha Vedic community, even Christian Northrup is on board now with this bioterrain understanding. And for people who are listening, it's like the best way I, I find to sort of understand it is like visualize a fishbowl that's completely dirty. And then the allopathic doctors are like, vaccinate the hell out of this fish. It's like in like really dirty, muddy, disgusting, chemical-filled fishbowl. And then the other one, the, the bioterrain understanding, is like clean the fucking tank. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like it's it's like just physics, right? Um, and my yeah. I think I shared with you last. Last time that my father's a psychiatrist and I I asked him, I was like, you know, because Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, he's like, let medicine be thy food and food be thy medicine. He also yes. said, like, do no harm, like no harm. But all these pharmaceuticals cause so much harm because they're synthetic and the body recognizes them as a toxin. I said, Dad, how much training and like nutrition did you get? Because he literally was there in med school for like 14 years. And he's like, Oh, not none. None. And I was like, oh, wow, like you, you're a master of helping people with the mind. And he's a very good listener and he's gravitated away from prescribing. And he's more just like there to listen and hold space, which I think is beautiful. We went actually to a meditation conference together. And now the Canadian Medical Association is actually giving psychiatrists uh, and doctors credits for attending meditation workshops. So I thought that was oh, wow. a, that's a good step. Cool. You know? Yeah, yeah well, you know are, they, do,
3: cool. they do one day, one day of uh, nutrition in medical school. And that one day is spent studying the food pyramid. So they'll prescribe really? you bread and cereal and a bit of fruit, bit of vegetables. It's like food pyramid.
0: <laughs> one Brain. day. Yeah. And even like I've had guys on on Instagram who are in university now who wanted to study nutrition or wanted to study, you know, medicine. It's still the same. Like they praise glyphosate. Uh, I was speaking with a fellow at a very prestigious university in Germany and he said, yeah, we just were in a lecture where they're like, glyphosate is like God's gift to the world. It's so amazing. Don't worry. It it doesn't hurt you at all. You're going to be totally fine. He actually literally changed his major and now he's like studying Egyptian culture (laughs) because he's like, fuck this. Um, So it's the brainwashing is, is still happening. And the thing that like, mystifies me is like anybody can still go onto google and just type in like pfizer criminal history it's all there yet is it because people's calcifications in their glands like they're not able to like that's not a red flag for the masses like what what in your opinion is going on well they don't want to
3: know it's that's the thing like nobody wants to know what's well in nobody in that mind frame wants to know what's going on because they're not yet ready they're a kid They're a child, they're not yet ready to leave the mother and father who feed them and who clothe them and tuck them into bed at night. You know, that's their sense of safety and security is the mother and father. Without that, it's very hard for them to function more than likely they won't function, they'll perish. So that's what the average adult is, is our six to 12 year old inside of an adult body, because they never matured, and they never grew a pair and they never grew their own feet to stand on. And, Uh uh, and that's what you're dealing with. So to suggest that the government may not have your best interests at heart to suggest that the media might lie to them and suggest that the medical industry, which is there to keep them healthy in their mind, is not there to do that at all. That's that's like can't compute. That doesn't happen. Hey. So until they're ready to take all of that responsibility for themselves, my own safety and security, my own health, my own well-being. Until they're ready to do that, they're not going to type in Pfizer criminal history. Their fingers literally won't hit the keyboard. Right, and they can't do it. It's like an impossibility. Until they're ready to grow into themselves and grow up,
0: that's just not going to happen. Thank you. That makes sense. And it's been a. I don't know about you and your family and how open minded they are to these these understandings, but my my family's. You know, I've always been like the black black sheep, and this this experience of the last twelve months has has solidified that further. Yeah. uh to the point where my mom was like please do not talk about vaccines do not talk about this when we're hanging out and it was like really upset like my mother's been through breast cancer and she's healed and she's so strong and you know I just would hate anything to happen to her you know it almost makes me cry and i i spoke with some guys in my men's group and one of the leaders in my men's group he's like well just say like mom like we have a heart to heart um you know i care about you and i you know it can we just have a heart to heart so i actually did that and because I couldn't sleep for like four months, four four we uh, four days when she told me that she was probably going to get the the V, and it was amazing. Like I just sat down with my parents and I just said, guys, like I'm, I'm not trying to thrust my my views on you. I'm just generally like concerned, and I want you guys to be healthy, and I don't want you to get hurt. Would it be okay if I shared with you some information? If if I come across something I think that you would benefit from hearing. And they're like, they understood at that point that my intention wasn't to like, thrust my views on them. It was really because I care about them. And now they're super open to at least hearing things that they may not hear on CNN. Um, So I don't know if I mean, I think they're probably all going to get the V, but at least I feel like I can share things, whereas before it was like a hard no. Um, Yeah, so any tips and tricks for dealing with family members who are who are more sort of in the, in the matrix understanding of things. And also how, what has your experience been like with your family?
3: Well, mine's the same as you. I'm the black sheep. I, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting one. You know, I, uh, I'm more of the, I'm more of the, um, place where I just let people do have the experience that they're going to have, <laughs> right. however that works out and not judge it one way or another Because right. um, I, I just think some people are, uh, they're on a spectrum, for example. So they're at the complete end of just not listening to anything ever. And Mm -hmm. then the the other end of that is just, you know, I wanna know, I'm asking you, like, Will, can you educate me on vaccines? Can you you tell me about Pfizer's criminal history? Mm -hmm. So they're the two extremes. One's asking and it's an invitation to give everything and the other's just completely shut off to absolutely everything. So you'll find a lot of people are somewhere in in the middle and it's like, which end are they more towards? or Are they in the middle? You know, it's like your parents by the sounds of it were uh, more towards that, that end of not really wanting to listen, but they're at least not totally shut. They're like, you know, on that side. Um, My parents are more right to the extreme end of that. So Mm -hmm. I I literally have no interest in educating them. I literally don't care if they get a vaccine. I don't even care if they get complications from the vaccine. Because Mm -hmm. to me, that's just getting sick or having compromised health or dying. That's just an experience. And these are all experiences that are of equal value for us to have in this life. So Mm -hmm. not just to them, but to me, to our family, to our friends, to um, anybody that might hear of their experiences and then to the, you know, the creator having the experience through all of us, Mm. to me, it doesn't matter. So I'm not really, I don't have this stress that other people have, which is like, Oh no, how do I convince people? How do I get through? How do I wake people up? Because, you know, I've been doing this since I was a kid. Like I woke up when I was a kid. So I just like, I don't care. I'm 40 years old now. I'm like, I'm an old man as far as having been along this line of things. So I don't really care. You know how like old people, they just don't give a shit. They just say whatever. It's like, oh, I'll call you an asshole. I'll call it how it is. I don't care anymore. They got no diplomacy or attacked or whatever. It's just, they're old. Ah, I'll say what I want. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm like. I just say what I want. If people don't like it, I don't give a shit. But I don't. I, I also try to check myself to see if there's any anger or anything that I'm projecting onto others. So how do I feel about vaccines or the medical industry or the, the doctor qualification system, the educational system, you know, these are all things I went through that instilled anger in me. So Mm. I today still need to think to myself when I say something like even me saying, I don't give a shit about my parents or whatever, I still have to ask myself what part of myself, is there a part that has apathy? Is there a part that still has, uh, anger towards them. Is there a, do you know what I mean? What's Mm -hmm. what shadow elements might be playing out in those words or that attitude towards my parents? Is it a genuine benevolence of you're welcome to have that experience and I'll support you either way. Mm -hmm. That's a genuine benevolence. But am I, do I have shadow elements in there that are like, Oh, I don't care about them or you do what you want. You know, that thing, Oh, I fucking told you so, (laughs) like, you know, you know, that thing, you know, where people go, I hope you get a vaccine. I hope you get sick. So you can see I was right for the last 20 years. (laughs) some people's attitudes and i don't think that that's healthy uh, either so i just think yeah it's really important I, I just think to uh not just determine how we feel about others but look at ourselves and where is my stance on something coming from because almost everything every view every opinion every whatever mm-hmm. is a projection of uh of something that's within us so i mm-hmm. i do i am mindful of
0: that as well that really makes sense it makes me think of like power versus force by David Hawkins and the scale of consciousness. And I guess the shadow would be anything below 200 in his sort of scale of consciousness, like anger, shame, guilt, all those things, and uh, doing our best to come from love and raise our, raise our vibration. Uh, For me, I found it's all about having good daily habits that keep me in my highest also spending time with people who you want to be like, and who, who feed you, you know, um, now that i have like a like-minded community of humans around me like the germanic new medicine community for example speaking with people like dr melissa and yourself dr melissa cell um then i'm less triggered by decisions that my biological family makes um because i feel i feel supported i guess because we're herd creatures and everything from the way our digestion is functioning to the way you know, everything is affected by whether or not we feel like we belong to the tribe. So now that I feel like I belong to the tribe, I don't have as much of a need for my biological family to understand me or to, to get me or for me to thrust my views on them. Like I used to just so yeah. it does, it does feel that's better.
3: growing beyond that. There's various minds that we need to grow beyond in our, in our lifetime. The first is the parental mind. So that's growing beyond that, that conditioning or the approval or whatever of just that very small unit of the parental mind. Right. Uh, once we grow beyond the parental mind, we're then in the tribal mind. The tribal mm-hmm. mind is anything where if you threaten that, then that's like, you know, that's kind of like, if you threaten the tribal mind, you'll be ostracized or like killed or whatever, like back in the day. Anything that threatened the tribe that went against the mind of the tribe, the way we think, what we believe in, our, our culture, our mm-hmm. practices and whatever, even if they're like low, mm-hmm. if you threaten that because you're growing beyond it, then that's a threat, and they need to bring you down. Beyond the tribal mind, if you do manage to go beyond that, then you've got kind of like more of the uh, the general societal mind, which is multiple tribes. Then you have mm-hmm. the humanity mind, and then you have like the world mind. And then once you go beyond that, you're you're like an ascended master, so to speak. You've grown beyond all of the various constrictions of mind that operate in the world in various spheres like parental, you know, tribal, um, you know, multitudes, societal, (laughs) humanity, world. And then you're in the universal mind, I guess, which is that's your field or ether or uh, whatever you want to call it. And that's, that's essentially where you have, you're, you are completely sovereign at that point. You're, you're a complete individual uh, uh, pure representation of the source and not brought down by beliefs, culture this that and the other that goes all the way down that kind of those steps till you get to the parental the parental unit that's the smallest of them so yeah it's a big journey
0: obviously (laughs) yeah it's like belief ecosystems I've heard it being called and also it makes me think of this book I was reading called the Magdalene Manuscript where uh, the author channels this this text about how Mary Magdalene she was not a slut she was not a prostitute these are projections of the the later organized version of Christianity they projected onto her. She was actually a high priestess. She was a a tantric goddess essentially. And she helped Jesus strengthen his electromagnetic field, like his robustness, his nervous system. One could say his ka body, as they would say in Egypt, um, so that he would be more capable of performing his miracles and serving humanity. So like they basically did these sexual rituals with each other, uh, to strengthen their, their auras, uh, and then they would nest, it says in the book, they would nest in each other's frequency after the sex act. Um, and and so, you know, we're talking about different levels of consciousness, Christ consciousness. A lot of people see Christ as like a thousand on the vibrational scale of consciousness. I believe that there is a benefit in shame-free sex and sex magic to strengthen ourselves so that we have strong enough nervous system and, a I guess, a bright enough aura to be able to access those higher levels of consciousness, because in when you're talking, it makes me think like to not be triggered and to rise from the parental place to the tribe, to to keep ascending, you need a pretty strong nervous system, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It'll take a beating and an auric field. You know, everything you just said, I hadn't heard that before, but it doesn't surprise me in the least. That makes absolute sense Mm -hmm. that, you know, the relationship between uh, mary and jesus for example that was that makes absolute sense because religion is one of those other minds that's within that kind of it's kind of in that world mind it's like religion falls into that category so does science obviously
2: mm-hmm.
3: um and so yeah that mind is very controlling we all know that religion uses sh- the shame uh, around uh, sex for example to control all mm-hmm. of its underlings so uh <laughs> You know, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Egyptians also used sex as a way to reach uh, enlightenment and high, higher states of consciousness. There was yes, no right. shame around it at all.
0: Yeah, from my understanding, it was yeah, it was definitely part of the like the becoming a a priest. There were sexual elements and rituals done. Um, yeah, I'm not like an expert con- expert on it, yeah. but as well, Native
3: American culture has the same. Um, there's a very big sexual element to that, and uh, but yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense, and it is. That's also funnily enough where the STD theory came in with germ theory and all that. That's also a way to bring fear and shame and guilt and things around sex. So there's a number of different ways that we are repressed sexually because it is the pure creative energy. It's the most creative energy in all of everything. (laughs) It's like pure creativity. And so to mute that, to mute pure love is the goal of the, um, the uh, you know, oppressing forces that currently have control over this world. So it makes a lot of sense that they'll make every effort to hypersexualize society. Like mm-hmm. look at film clips and advertising and and Instagram and all that. It's all about hypersexualizing while at the same time putting infecting the mind with guilt and fear and shame and and uh yeah, and um, what else? Embar- just all these things of not being good enough, not being attractive, and all this sort of stuff as well, based on what you're seeing in the hypersexualized world. So they yeah. do a very good job psychologically of really muting people's uh, pure creativity, which is pure love at the same time, uh, which is actually the antidote to all of the <laughs> the crap that goes on in the world. So uh, people could grow beyond that and find that love within themselves. Uh, and you know, sex is a big part of that, or sexual energy, I should say, like not just the act of sex, but sexual energy, which is the creativity energy.
0: Yes, and it makes me think of like how Pornhub is free, and how during this whole pandemic, porn use has skyrocketed. I was looking <laughs> at statistics. And personal story: when I was filled with atrazine and glyphosate, eating McDonald's and drinking alcohol all the time, my sexual perversions my sexual fantasies were dark invariably i wanted to be abused i wanted to be taken advantage of in a sexual situation i'd go and look for that whereas now that like i'm living the ultimate lifestyle transformation which is basically just flooding my body with superfoods all the time and detoxifying from these chemicals that they're spraying on us and putting into the food those types of desires are, are largely long gone i mean sometimes like a bit of conscious kink can be fun but like it's It's a complete shift in the psyche that I've that I've noticed. And I, I to go along with what you were saying, it's like the frequency of sex when people are doing sexual things in our society, it feels like it's like a lust frequency.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: on the scale of consciousness, that's below two hundred. It doesn't support life. It's like down there with guilt, shame, and all that stuff. But if we can flip it by getting the shit out of our bodies and like coming into a place of love and acceptance around sexuality, we can move into that place of being the erotic being that we are born to be. And the word erotic is a very high frequency, according to, to David Hawkins scale. And that's like, that's been the biggest thing. Like I literally have not had sex for almost a year now, but I feel like the sexiest, I feel the most sexually satisfied I've ever felt my whole life. Cause I do semen retention and sexual Kung Fu. And I feel more at home in my body than before. Like Rumi says, make yourself a refuge unto yourself. And, I, I can do testicle breathing like Montauk Chia where you just breathe into your balls and I can actually feel my balls and to me that was those were the types of feelings I was looking for when I was going onto these sex apps and now I can generate it within my own self and that's why I'm so passionate about health and wellness and you know sharing these things and talking with people like you about like what's really going on even though people criticize me and my family think I'm nuts the benefit is like I feel like I'm in my purpose. You know, and, and to go back to, we were talking last time about like the, the, um, well, the nervous system and, and sort of being able to handle things and being that pillar when we're getting the shit out of our bodies and when we're healing the root, it's so much easier to feel the connection to heaven. For example, when you get the fluoride and you're out of your system and your pineal gland starts to come back online, you feel more intuition. You feel like your leadership skills expand. And then when you heal your root, when you're doing sexual things either with yourself or another, there's actually like a sense of like, it's basically a good feeling there. And the dominator system doesn't, as you said, doesn't want it. So that's why they implement things like circumcision, sexual abuse. Like you wouldn't believe how many people I've spoken with who've been sexually abused as as children. It's like so common. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we can heal the root and heal the crown, it just, life is so much more fun, like so much more fun.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's a few things in that. First of all, thanks for sharing your, like being honest with how you've been personally because that's such a big thing for people to hear the honesty of somebody else because it can help them heal a lot of their own or recognize a lot of that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually going back a step too, it's like there's this general rule that I developed since when I was a teenager where if I hear something that's in a mainstream viewpoint then the opposite is true. So anything to do with health that's promoted by the mainstream, do the opposite and you'll be healthy. You know, mm. if somebody in the Bible is deemed to be a slut and a whore, they'll probably a goddess. You know, it's like that inversion is a big thing in the mainstream narrative. And uh with the sexuality thing, you know, that's a massive topic and I think it's one of the biggest overarching um detractors to people's health and well-being on earth is that relationship to sex and sexuality and when people are just going after that gratification it's really important i think for people to figure out where that's coming from because that's just a compulsion it's not like a loving uh, it's not reaching anything higher than that base primal drive to satisfy an urge without ever knowing where that urge is coming from and as you're finding will the more you do purify yourself and why you're here and having a real direction the Mm -hmm. less you are driven by that and and Paradoxically, the more satisfaction you actually have. So, the satisfaction you were craving and going after these promiscuous acts and things to try to to get, it was never getting there. But then, paradoxically, by purifying and going about a different way, you have the uh, gratification, so to speak, that you were always after and that you can now have. It's
0: always like a paradox like that. Totally. And it's like, can you just feel sexy walking around naked in your own apartment? That's like, that's my thing. It's like, wow. I never realized how fun it is to just be a human. Like I was watching avatar the other day and I, cause I got a projector. So it's like a huge screen. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And I was like, like, that's how I feel. i feel like an avatar, like avatar, like I'm, I'm lean. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm rewilding myself. You know, I'm getting, getting my balls in the sun and nothing feels more empowering and sexy and erotic than just being a human. And that's really what they've done to us is they've cut us off from our sex energy, hmm. which makes it a lot easier to control the masses. Cause then you don't have to put a literal cage around us. Yeah. So I see modern yeah. people, especially modern men, like with the, with the tight masks on and they're overweight and they're, you know, go to McDonald's and take the mask off to put the poison in their bodies and then go get the vaccine and then go get their Krispy Kreme. They're like caged beasts and they've been emasculated and literally chemically castrated because we know that atrazine lowers testosterone and sperm counts. And we know that testosterone and sperm counts are the lowest they've ever been since humans have started measuring those things. Yeah. And so when the testes come back online and when the pineal gland is decalcified, you're like, whoa, like it's like, I'm, I'm like a, an effective avatar now. Like I'm actually working. I'm back online. Fuck. Yeah. Even just being naked in the sun as we were talking about before barefoot in the forest, like me and my buddies in our men's group, we go barefoot running in the forest and people think we're nuts. Like it's snowing and stuff. They're like, aren't you cold? Well, I, I was wearing my earth runners, uh, the other day going for a forest, uh, forest walk. And this guy was like, well, oh God, you're, you're gonna get all muddy. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. I was like, That's, the point. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point, bro.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it domest- is a weird domestic- world. world. Sorry.
3: You. Oh, it's a weird world. I was just saying, you know, with people that, that yeah. think that, you know, like careful you get dirty or something,
0: it's just it's a bit, bit backwards. Totally. And then that comes back. So it's like the fear where we've been conditioned to fear. Microbes and I was speaking with my mother. And, you know, she's been through the breast cancer, and and we found because I like this idea of trading in trading positions for interests. Mm-hmm. One of my friends told me that he's like, I don't. It's not worth always getting into fights with people. Just trade the positions for the common understandings and and what you're both about. And so at the end of the day, like when when all this started happening, you know, the last year um, we were fighting, and then then I just I took a breath and I looked at my my mom and my dad and I said really at the end of the day, my whole stance on everything is like, we have to learn how to live with our microbes. Mm -hmm. And my mom went, I can get behind that. And we Mm -hmm. hugged. Actually, we didn't hug that time. We didn't actually hug, but I did get a hug from my mom for the first time in 11 months, a few weeks ago, because I bought her flowers. So (laughs) it was, it was actually really cute because it was her birthday and, and my brothers and I pitched in on getting her like a really nice, bouquet and and we we bought her this nice dinner to like a a gift card to a nice restaurant and I went over and I surprised her with the flowers and her impulse was to hug me it was so beautiful because she hugged me twice in our interaction and you know we we hadn't hugged for so long because my dad is so scared and you know if if my parents ever listen to this podcast uh, I love you both and my intention is never to you know overshare but I really feel like just sharing my experience helps other people who are who are in the same boat so it's all coming from love um, but, but they understood my, at least my mother understood, we have to learn how to live with our microbes because, because yes. what you resist persists. And if you're scared of these microbes, like, well, gosh, good luck being a human. Cause we're 10 to one microbe, you know? And so it's good to get your feet dirty. It, it's, it's good to not be constant. I think I was listening to a podcast where you were talking about how you don't, you're not constantly washing your hands before every meal. And I was like, that's yeah. like me. I I hardly ever wash my hands and I want microbes. I want a good relationship yeah. with microbes. So maybe yeah. if you want to speak more about that, sort of just like our relationship with the microbiome.
3: Yeah, I, um, I do wash my hands uh, after I've dealt with, if I know I've got petroleum or something on my hands, or if I play guitar and I'm probably got nickel or something on my fingers, you know, that's the time I'll wash my hands. But if yeah. I've padded the horse or if I've been in the garden or uh, whatever, you know, like just general day-to-day living, I won't wash my hands. Like yeah. That. So it's, I'm not, I don't want to get rid of uh, germs, so to speak, but I do want to get rid of chemicals. That's basically the distinction between mm-hmm. that. Yes. Yeah,
0: so not, not to harp on, on it too much, but sort of the, the whole understanding of like exosomes, solvents, cell poops, that understanding of quote unquote viruses and then the virome and Zach Bush's thing, like Zach Bush seems to be saying, like, there is a difference. He does believe that there are exosomes, cell poops, but then he also believes that there are these viromic updates. What do you what do you think about that? Like, is that something that resonates?
3: Uh well, okay, so um, so I listened to a couple of things from I used to share a lot of Zach's stuff because uh, it was just quotes on memes. I'm like, oh, who's this Zach guy? He's pretty switched on. And then um, people, he, oh, he's a doctor, he's this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. so then people started showing me clips and I was going, oh, because I watch things differently to most people. I don't just listen to something and then like I watch what's going on. I watch how people say things. I, I look at the types of words they use. That it, So when you don't have medical knowledge, for example, you'll listen to it all as sound. But when you do have a bit of that knowledge, you listen for key words and it's like those are indicators. And they're designed to move the mind in a certain direction. So when I actually listen to Zach, um, I, I don't know. I like, obviously I don't know for sure, but my hunch is that he's controlled opposition because what he brings across is really, really sound in some ways, but there's some key distinctions that are a bit off. Like the first clip I watched him off because someone's like, watch this, watch this, watch this. And I'm like, he's reading. Can't you see his eyes? He's reading a script. Like he's actually like got his own script up. He's on a Zoom thing or whatever and he's reading his first whole five minute introduction was him reading something. I'm like, I can't think of a time ever that I would read something when somebody's interviewing me. Like I just never would. I don't prepare for it. I never ask for specific questions to be asked or not asked. I don't even want to know what you're gonna ask me because I wanna be able to present from a very honest and authentic place. So straight away, when somebody's reading something, I go, why? Like, what's he hiding? Or what's what's the purpose of that? It has a purpose. You don't just do that for no reason. Right. So then when you watch somebody's eyes, whenever he would mention a certain uh, theory or certain words, his eyes would drop to the same point. I'm like, why is he looking in that direction? <laughs> that kind of thing. Again, I'm not accusing of anything. These are just my observations. I just, they bring up questions for me. My mind always goes to, why do people do certain things? Right. And then when he talks about, uh genomic updates and things from a a virome first Mm -hmm. of all things words like virome biome microbiome all these sorts of words have become very fanciful over the last kind of decade they become like a they become buzzwords Buzzwords, Uh, all this this stuff was always around obviously Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: then i noticed the way people were marketing it that's what I noticed. I don't just notice the terms, I notice what people do with them. And they became very, very heavily marketed to, to sell protocols, programs, supplement kits and everything to do with something that was already there, that we already inherently knew that native cultures have spoken about since they've been around in their paintings, their artwork, in their stories. It's all there. It's nothing new. And then, but they used to construe and to, to skew stories a certain way and therefore control the narrative of the listener Mm
2: -hmm. so
3: uh when he talks about genomic updates uh that's a thing we all know that because that's where uh you know it's documented that people on different continents or islands can come up with the same idea or something at the exact same time so something's going on there some some messages are traveling through the ether it's picked up i i see what we are as receptacles like we're like vessels for information Uh, there's ways that i mean various visions and stuff a lot of people have seen the same thing where we act as a vessel uh so yeah it's like there's there's nothing new under the sun so also to say things like when he says for example there's 10 to the 31 viruses in the air there's 10 to the 30 viruses in the sea or the soil and in a baby's poop or a pig's poop it's like you can't measure that number how can you say that there's that many when that's an immeasurable number it, it, just little things like that. It's like, you would just go, the average listener goes, whoa, 10 to 31. Oh, we would just, and it's like, yeah, but you're not thinking about the number. That's mm-hmm. an, that's almost in except for, you know, very, very, uh, high tech computers can quantify that easily, but mm-hmm. how are you measuring that? What device or what test are you using to measure that number of things? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know of anything that measures that. So, um, that turns it into a postulate, not a reality, and therefore, why are you talking about postulates and theories as a, a, a reality? For example, that's just one thing. Uh, and then uh, using certain words, like he kept using the word pandemic, like we are actually in a coronavirus pandemic, but that's discounting the fact that you can't even test for it using a PCR. So how do you know it's all coronavirus? Why are people signing off on death certificates so they get a free funeral if it's a coronavirus death? You know, why is there no flu? Why is heart disease come down? Like, it's not a pandemic. So why, even if you are giving truth, so you're saying, yeah, look, it's just a natural thing. It's this, that, and the other. It's not even transmissible. Maybe he's saying that, maybe he's not. But why still using words like pandemic? Because it's still following, a, it's like leading half the way, but doing a U-turn at the end. You know what I You're trying to say something. Yeah. What do you want to say?
0: Well, I, in, in one of his videos, he was saying that he sees these, Viruses as capable of bringing toxins deeply into the cell. They're like vessels for bringing arsenic into the cell. So he was arguing that maybe there are more deaths in certain places, but it's because this viromic update is causing these chemicals like glyphosate and arsenic to basically leach right into the cell. Um, Evidenced from certain symptoms that these so-called COVID patients were exhibiting that were not typical. Uh, so that was one point that he was saying, and then he was, what was the other thing he was saying? It would be so awesome to have the two of you. Like I could moderate a debate. I actually reached out yeah, to, to see if I could get him on the show. So you, well, you never know. That would be so cool if, if like the two of you could, cause you would ask really, it would just be really cool. It'd be kind of like, you know, Judy Mikovits and, um, uh, and Kaufman, you know, just things like, I just love that kind of stuff. Um, what was the other thing he was saying? There was one more point that I wanted to make that, that, uh, that Zach Bush was saying, Oh, he, he did say at the end of that three hour thing that I sent you, he said something like, you know, if you go and look at the, the numbers from the CDC, there has not been a huge draw, like a huge increase in deaths in 2020. So even he said that. So I see what you mean. Like on one hand, he's saying no more people have really died, but then he is using the word pandemic. So I I see what you're getting at. You're reading between the lines, you know, and then I did hear something about him teaming up with Bill Gates or something. And, and I also do know he is selling his glyphosate removal product. So anyway. To- well that's
3: not a bad thing. I mean maybe he's got a good product. I don't know. I haven't looked into his product. He's obviously got financial interest. He's a doctor, he's well off. He's going to and then he's selling his own lines. Yeah. Like there's there's you've you've always got to say when there's money involved. That's why, you know, I just say whatever the hell I want because I've basically got no money. Nobody sponsors me. I've got no I don't back anyone's products. So I just say whatever the hell I want. I don't care. You know, cancel me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <It doesn't laughs> It's like I don't have anything to lose. So, uh, but there's just yeah, there are a few things that just make me suspicious that he's controlled opposition. Not accusing him of being that, but it does make me suspicious. And um, uh, you know, like why if, if you were getting an update, why would you up, why would you uptake a poison? Why would a cell draw in a poison as an update? It sounds like that sounds like the opposite of an update. Uh, I did hear him talk about air pollution, and that's that's a, a, a big thing, and that's true. Like a lot of things where you get symptomology is based on air pollution uh, pollutants in general environmental toxicity but then he just mentions things like uh, polio when it's just we know that there was high levels of ddt ddt sprayed in the areas that had so-called polio outbreaks and then Mm -hmm. third world countries have never heard some countries have never heard of polio because they didn't spray it with chemicals but why would they not be getting sick with polio if it's got to do with malnutrition and all that sort of stuff so it's like there's just so many inconsistencies in the stories that certain people bring through because they don't seem to use the entire population around the world as um, as their you know as their reasoning. It's like it's like, and some people have even been saying like with coronavirus, it's like a, it's a it's a, why does it only affect Western countries and China? So like there's a lot of other countries that don't seem to be presenting any cases. Why is it because? why you know why is it because they don't have chemicals sprayed there or is it because they're not using pcr tests there or what what's going on so i always like to look at uh, uh, from a very holistic point of view at everything that goes on and Mm -hmm. i just don't buy into some of the um the narratives that seem like they're going out of the mainstream but there's still definitely at least one foot firmly rooted in the mainstream so those ones always just raise a question Again, not a not a, an accusatory thing. Just I would like to, as you said, I'd actually like to ask those questions myself in a respectful way, and I'd definitely be more than open to listening to the reasoning and the answers. But I would have some fairly um, straightforward questions.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So you think that the virome, all these hot button terms that that people like Zach Bush are talking about, you kind of you kind of go well. Show show me the you just want, you want clarity around it. Like we don't like, what, what do you, do you think that there could be genetic pieces of information that when we're exposed to it, make us more robust? Like, is that sort of, I don't think so
3: because it has to, I mean, he says as well, viruses, retroviruses, whatever, they're not alive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, could they be floating around in the atmosphere up, maybe, but it's most of this stuff is an etheric thing. It's not a. he's talking about a physical thing. Even if you're talking about a protein strain with a bit of fat or whatever, like an RNA, like a pro whatever, it's, it's all physical. And it's just, this stuff to me is something that's much different than a physical phenomenon. It's very much a metaphysical thing. You know, it's like Yeah, I mean, quantum quantum string theory talks about that. Where you and I, even though we're on opposite sides of the world, we're still connected via some tangible means, Mm -hmm. and that's not through like, well, maybe it is through proteins flying around the air, the ten to the thirty-one, whatever. It's like maybe I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll give it a possibility, but I just it just seems like an overly simplistic, very medical and scientific way to explain something that ancients had always spoken about, and everything that. Uh, I say this a lot, everything that has a that is a physical in the physical realm it has a metaphysical com, uh, counterpart it 's like the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, the majority of it 's under the water it 's unseen it 's metaphysical or it's unconscious. Most of what we do is unconscious it 's not our consciousness that does it and so to me uh, for example you 've got a, a parasitic infection i can 't remember if I spoke about this with you last time, but generally there's a metaphysical Equivalent. If you have a parasite in the body, first of all, it's doing a job. It's not there to invade. It's cleaning out what your body's not cleaning out by itself. It's helping. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it has a metaphysical or an energetic equivalent to why it's there. Uh whatever that is, you might have a parasitic nature. You're you're like leeching off of other people or or whatever it is. There's always a metaphysical element to it. So then when you're talking about these updates or genomic updates or just you know, receiving people these days call it downloading or, uh, you know, tapping into the field or the quantum or the meta or the theta or whatever, the words that they use that are just words, but it just really equates to tapping into a higher something else that is providing the, the information. There is an internet of things. We already know that that's like this, this overlay grid that's above us. People call the mycelium, which is the fungal network in the soil. They call that the internet of things. They're using that exact term to talk about 5G, where your phone will talk to your computer, which will talk to your fridge, which will talk to your car, which is all bouncing around the 5G network. They're calling that the internet of things. So, you know, just from that alone, it's like you can use that to kind of sell anything. When you use an already existing theme or phrase or whatever, you can use it to kind of market anything. And it's what struck me about when people started getting more into talking about gut health and therefore talking about the microbiome. They were still talking about uh infection like germ theory, but they were at least talking about, you know, that our gut is mostly bugs and it's helps our immune system or it is our immune system. And then I would watch people selling their programs because I watched a lot from the sidelines, watched what people were doing. And they're like, yeah, it's the microbiome. And they're like, it's like, why are you using that tone? Just say what it is. Like, don't put a tone to it. And Zach does that too. He's like, and it's the viral. It's the, it's the I can't do impressions. Like forgive the shitty impression, but it's like the tone of voice is like trying to me, trying to lull people into a sense of like complacency or dull them down. It's in the tone, it's not like a, there's no inquisition in the tone of voice. It's like, this, this, that, and the other. And then we do that, and then we do that. Like that's the. That's literally the tone the entire way through. It doesn't go- That was
0: pretty good, that was pretty good. And you even had the glottal attack that he does, the the vocal fry that he does, that was good.
3: No, good, (laughs) thanks, I'm getting better. (laughs) But do you know what I mean? It's like when I talk about things in general, I'm kind of like I'm in it, I wanna be in it, I wanna explore it. I don't wanna just be going, yeah, and you can't catch a virus. And viruses just do this. And they just peep out of a cell. And if I just say that the whole way through, it's like, am I not really trying to lull you into a sense of security based on my authority on the subject, which I don't really have? You know, mm-hmm. I personally, that's just me. Whenever I listen to somebody, I don't just listen to what they're saying. I listen to how they're saying it. I listen for key words that they may or may not be using. I listen to inflections. I watch where their eyes go. I, I, look, I look at all of that as the communication to ask myself, what is it? That they are really communicating, and right. uh, and when you can lace it with things that have genuine value, like Zach does, because I used to share a lot of his uh, quotes and things, because he has a lot of very real and true value. And it's one of those things where you can have that, but if you lace it with something that's most people would never, so it's like subliminal advertising. You know, it's like you're getting the stuff that is the uh, the brainwashing stuff mixed in with some great stuff and you don't notice it unless you're actually able to discern those things, which most people aren't able to do. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's just the way I'm receiving it. That's not saying that that's what he's doing.
0: Right. And it it makes me think of that movie, The Social Network. Uh, I think that's what it was called, like the dangers of Facebook that was put on Netflix. But then there was so much more. I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm not an expert, but I felt like it was a similar thing. There was some truth, but then there was other stuff that didn't feel energetically right to me
3: yeah yeah and that's the thing i i should that's what you just said sums it up if it feels energetically right to you you shouldn't listen to what i just said about it or you can listen to it and just pass it off not nah, because zach feels energetically right for me then that's you like that's your path it's not like it's gonna kill you <laughs> you know it's like well
0: it's it's funny because you've just verbalized what my heart was feeling about when i was watching that three-hour talk um And I guess part of me wanted you to say, oh, yeah, no, what he's saying is like totally right, because it's so easy to just send that to somebody in my family or somebody who really believes in viruses. And they go, oh, okay." And it's like almost like a bridge. Whereas if I just say germ theory is a fraud, people freak the hell out at me. So but it's interesting, like in my heart of hearts, I agree with everything you just said about what Zach Bush is, is promulgating. Um, okay. But so I, I also th-
3: agree. I also agree with you because if it's a bridge, that serves a purpose. You know, right. that's getting them more into the line of not thinking so much about germ theory, and then maybe through their own research or their own, you know, upgrades and downloads and things, they'll go. Oh, actually, I don't really gel with what he's saying now. So they go on to something else, or they get their own answer. So I totally agree. It serves a purpose.
0: Serves a purpose. Um, and I don't know if you can tell, but I have to pee. I have to piss like a racehorse right now. <laughs> when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, when nature calls, man. Um, okay. So I had Dr. Melissa sell on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I really liked how she was sort of hitting home on the, like, make, let's make ourselves strong. Like basically let's rewild ourselves. You know, you have your good daily habits, getting up in the morning, getting your body in the sun. Um, what I found in, in, in my experience is my psyche is far less scared of invisible microbes, uh, when I'm robust, which means, you know, having good daily habits that keep me in my highest. And I can literally feel a love for all of the microbes in my system, all the bacteria and the viruses and the fungi that make me up along with my significantly less number of human cells. Right. Cause we're 10 to one microbe. Whereas when I remember like, cause my dad's a bit of a, hy- of a hypochondriac, I remember like him telling me like, don't like, you know, don't kiss somebody cause you'll get micro like I remember just being really scared of cooties growing up. And I had this memory. I was dating this girl Named Courtney. <laughs> and Courtney, and she's was. Really, I found her really cute, and I just remember I took her swimming on a date, and like I really wanted to kiss her. So I like we were in the pool, I kissed her, and then my dad's voice was like, "You're gonna get a disease." So right after I kissed her, I went under the water and I like opened up my mouth and I like, got the chlorinated water in my mouth because i was like, "Oh shit, I don't want to get her disease." Like it was so ingrained in my psyche to like be scared of these invisible things mm. that it really dampened did a number on my enjoyment of life for a long time um yeah you know, yeah
3: i was too you know i was uh, not not yes i mean just similar you know like if i was on a bus and someone's coughing and seizing like part of me would like start feeling like uh that's that same sort of feeling where your skin gets flushed if you're really angry or really nervous or embarrassed or something like that like that the feeling of like impending like you're you're a danger to me the things we laugh about now when people like yell at people not wearing a mask, you're going to kill us all. <laughs> you know, like I used to have that when I was younger, I would feel that they were, but exactly like you said, it was, if I was tired, if I was real feeling real strong and full of beans, I'd like, ah, oh, cough it up. Like you know, go for it. Oh. But if I was feeling a bit uh, slightly suppressed myself, I'd be angry at them for coughing or sneezing near me. Uh, and so, and you're right. It's like a lot of this stuff, it's a psych. psych- it's essentially a psychological warfare because it's like you know, this stuff gets indoctrinated into us and therefore that's our filter anybody on that side of the filter they they're a danger to us any side, anyone on this side of the filter they're okay and yeah. same thing with like or well, anyone of this color skin is okay anyone of that color skin is like a danger or shouldn't be around it's like it's all over the place anyone of this sexual persuasion or anyone who looks like that or it's like it, it can be a danger or oh, germs it's on every level it 's like from the macro to the micro where like we 've got these filters that tell us that somebody or something is going to harm us, so yeah. then that puts us right into that lowest state of being right down in that safety security uh, part of our being that is constantly being threatened always so if we 're always under threat we 're always basically in that sympathetic dominant state, and yep. uh, we 're not escaping that we 're in like a slave cycle, you know our own prison. You're
0: I listened to Oracle girl, everything you're, it's like, you're translating everything that I'm thinking. Um, I was listening to Oracle girl and she said like a lot of her work is helping people rise out of the slave self, she calls it. Mm -hmm. And then to your point about everything starts in the medical metaphysical and then goes into the physical. It's like, I think I, I heard Marianne Williamson say once with the swine flu, it's like, well, if you're projecting that much hate into a certain community, of course a flu is going to come out of it. It's like, For example, all the gay dudes in the 80s who perished, well, if you vilify and scapegoat a group of humans to that degree, like, you know, I've spoken with men who identify as gay who are now in their 60s, they said it was hell, like literally their family would kick them out. And then they would basically just become drug addicts and get fisted every night, like it just sounded horrible, you know, and, and with my past, I've had a taste of that, I know what it's like. To hold hands with the dude and then have a guy with a switchblade chase you up the street while calling you a fag like it's not fun it's it's scary and it does put you in that sympathetic state so not just in the sympathetic state but in that sort of projecting like when a large group of people project and vilify and scapegoat onto a smaller group of course they're going to get diseased. i remember my friend danielle laporte was she had her son do this experiment where they had like two apples in jars And she said, okay, every time you go and they put like love on one, they label one love. And one was like, you're disgusting or something. And she said, every time you walk by the apple that says love on it, be like, oh, I love you. And like, send it love. Every time you walk by the apple that says like, you're fucking gross, be like, oh, you're the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Oh, Literally the apple that they were sending the love to survived a lot longer before it started to go moldy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like the power of our thoughts and everything does start in the non-physical.
3: Yeah. It does, yeah. Those are well-documented to anyone that says, oh, that's such hippie bullshit. What are you guys talking about? It's like, that's all documented. You can look that up. The studies are done on it. Studies are done where people put their thoughts and projections onto food or into water and looking in the crystalline structure and then plants right. and everything like that. They actually, we communicate with all of these things and they all uh, are receptive to our um, intentions. The intention is what is felt and picked up. And you're right. And what you would find is that when we were talking earlier about, you know, the various uh, minds or what did you, what, word did you use for it? Use a phrase for it.
0: Uh, like belief ecosystems.
3: Yeah. Belief ecosystems. Yeah. So one of them is that when you do put that onto a certain group of people or a demographic or whatever, uh, that is the thing that you would then, if you're in it, you're susceptible to that. You're, you're in that ecosystem, even if it's not yours, if it's put projected onto you, then you're mm-hmm. in it. So then you actually have to transcend and, and, and outgrow that. It's not just your own stuff, but it's the stuff that's projected onto onto us.
2: Right. And
3: uh, yeah, so that's a big part of it too. So absolutely, while you're in that, you can absolutely be more susceptible to uh, things like viral infections and things because it has to be cleaned out. So uh, as we clean and purify, generally there's symptoms and those symptoms might right. look like some form of dis-ease. And uh,
2: you. so you're
0: right on that really, that really ties it all together. And that's what I love about German new medicine so much. Is like, when you get symptoms, it's like, woohoo, my body's healing. And even Carl Jung said, what you resist persists. So it's like the media, like people, whoever's controlling it, they're literally pumping more fear. They're pushing against viruses. They're pushing against, and they're saying that a detox experience is bad. So people are going to get more of it. It's like, so it's it's rigged it's engineered to keep people sick sad and depressed isn't it
3: yeah yeah and that that kind of belief ecosystem or a hierarchy of beliefs or whatever you want to call it imagine if everybody grew up knowing that god loves them is not there to punish you and is not spiteful nature is not out to kill you uh, gay people are not evil. Black people are not um, violent or or dumb or evil. Uh, neither are indigenous cultures. They're not savages. Like imagine going through all these things and then coming down to your own parents were that uh, you know they didn't bring you into the world out of spite or an accident. Like you you chose to be here one way or another. And then getting down to fungus and bacteria and parasites and these things are all there to help you. They're our friends. They're our janitors. Like getting down to that level, like how much disease would there be in the world? I'm not sure there would really be you know i don't know it's just it'll be a very different world because on no level are we living in fear everything we see is having its place and our place within it and then it all coming out of a, a benevolence not uh you know the opposite like we would not be living in that base fear that fear based uh illusion and therefore we would be operating much higher up in our centers of energy uh, all of the time because that lower stuff is just taken care of and then people wouldn't be getting fisted and taking drugs like on benders for a week straight it's like that just wouldn't happen it would not be a part of our psyche or our consciousness and it would not therefore uh result in the physical acts of doing that because it's not in it's not in the ether anymore we've transcended that so uh yeah imagine that
0: (laughs) imagine that yeah health is truly wealth and you are what you eat, what you drink and what you think. And, and, you know, having parents who are medical people and we never ate organic. We, we had birthdays at McDonald's and God bless my parents. It's not their fault. That was the belief ecosystem. That was the belief ecosystem that drugs, injections um, are the saviors and that food means nothing. I remember when I was anxious and depressed, uh, my dad said, well, just have some more coffee He's like, that works for me. Like if you're low energy, just drink more coffee. <laughs> yeah. And so I tried that. Well, that did not help my anxiety, let me tell you. Um, so, you know, it's just like this, um, this um, false um, belief that what we put into our bodies doesn't matter. And that's what we're seeing with this vaccination, the Krispy Kreme deal. You know, that's where most people are at. They're like, that doesn't, you know, eating a, getting a free donut every single day that's filled with glyphosate, and process crap. And God knows what else that's fine. That's not going to affect my health at all. And then it ties back into what we were talking about sexuality and feeling erotic and juicy. When you start to feel erotic and juicy, you don't want the fucking donut. Cause you already feel like a fucking donut. You feel like an organic blueberry, you know, donut with like really good, you know, coconut sugar glaze on there. Like you, you are the donut, you are the drugs, You know, you are the, the stiff drink of whiskey, you become the drugs that you need because your body's a veritable chemical factory of dopamine and serotonin and DME. Like I love how in Kundalini yoga and breath work and, and Wim Hof, it's like, you're literally, you know, for example, you're doing a spinal flex and you're literally like, I always just focus, I focus downwards and inwards and then I inhale Squeeze the rectum, sex organ, navel. So you're literally taking all that blood that was being nourished by your gonads and then you're breathing and pumping it up into your body. So you're like masculinizing yourself with your own, you know, testosterone. And then you're bringing it up through the nadis, the energy channels from the prostate gland, which is the South Pole, to the pineal. So you're literally making love to yourself because Montauk Chia says the pineal in males is the vagina. So you're like making love to the vagina in your head. <laughs> yeah and it's It's the connecting
3: of energies anything that's got its polarity is is one's turned masculine one's turned feminine so it's uh unifying those two is what we're, we're always meant to be well that's kind of like what as you grow out of the um the primal state of just constant fixation and um you know like uh desires and um just the needing to be entertained I guess all of the time when you grow out of that you're really trying to get more into yourself and it's always about unifying those two energies the more balanced you can get between those the the, the greater your personal residence is going to be and there's so many different cultures have their various ways of doing it I actually like his work too um, that's what I started to learn about when I was first you know like really trying to understand my own sexuality because it was you know as most men when you're young it's like such a strong energy it like consumes Mm -hmm. everything and and some people don't they don't temper it they just like it's always it's an expulsion sort of thing but Mm -hmm. after a while you just go well what if there's more to it like because you hear of certain things, you hear of Taoists or you hear of like monks or whatever and you just go, what are they doing? Like, yeah. I keep hearing all this stuff about like, they're not masturbating or they're not, they're retaining stuff or they're doing what? Like they're microcosmic, what? Orbiting who? And it's <laughs> like, you just go, okay. So then if that takes your interest and that's where I started to learn about his work and um, it's really fascinating. And it's, but it, what's also fascinating about it is that when you find out about other cultures and other um, sort of, you know, people that explore this, it ties in very, very well with it all. So you just go, okay. There's like a universal truth that's in all of these different ways of uh, of harmonizing the individual through the sexual energies, and it's very, very powerful.
0: Super powerful, and and it's almost like breaking the addiction to ejaculation. Um, mm. It takes a bit of willpower, but then when it becomes a lifestyle, like I usually allow myself to ejaculate once or twice a month. And that seems to work for me. The longest I've gone is like 78 days. And that was, a, I didn't know sexual Kung Fu back then. So I was like, ah, oh, very sort of on edge. Yeah. But as long as you have like a practice where you're cycling the energy, your, your whole body, in the words of David Data, who wrote Way of the Superior Man, your whole body becomes like a, a big genital. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you see a beautiful human walking across the street and it's not like this lustful thing. It's like an appreciation thing. You're like, then you can literally just subtly breathe in that appreciation and then send it back. It's like gratitude. Gratitude is the highest form of yoga, they say. And mm-hmm. it's less, you use the word compulsion. It's less of a compulsion and it just feels more like uh grounded and um life giving, I would say.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big part of health. It's it's weird too because it's like an elephant in the room. It's like why i I don't like when people call themselves a holistic whatever and they're dealing with somebody's health, but they don't go into their sex their sexuality at all. And it's like that's if you're ignoring that, you you're ignoring (laughs) a big part of why they might be sick or uh, diseased or injured or something in the first place. So you've really got to handle that. And even to the point where if you just broach the subject and they've got a real resistance to talking about it, that tells you a lot as well. You don't yeah. have to probe. No, no, you need to tell me about your, your childhood or what, you know, your, uh, or your sex life now or whatever. Or, you don't have to because the resistance to it, like I said, that speaks volumes. So mm. while you're working with them, you know that that's an area. So you want to work on like various forms of creativity without correlating it straight away to sex energy or anything like that or sexuality or sensuality or anything like that. Totally. Um, and for too many people it's like i'm only focusing on this mm. and it's like why would you ignore that when it's the greatest part of what created us in the first place and it's what carries us through so you've really mm. got to look at it I, I think for anybody listening that's interested in their health if you're not yet um you know going down that route that you've been on will it's like you've it's something that's really important i'm not going to say you have to do it i'm just going to say it is an important aspect
0: of health totally i hundred percent agree and I found even a good starting point is just to like encourage people to just get naked, get naked by yourself and do some like stretching and, and and even some work, you know, just like be, be naked more often. Um, That's really helped me deal with my anxiety and with, with my body dysmorphia. Um, You know, and just, I continually go to the naked beach, you know, as much as I can. And I get naked with my buddies in nature several times a week now and do cold plunging and, Mm -hmm. Now I can act then it feels like a form of strength training because then you you're wearing clothes and you still feel that extra boost of like self-love and groundedness in your physical apparatus that was not there before. Um,
3: yeah, I do totally agree yeah. with that. That's good advice because you look at, again, indigenous cultures, most of them are naked most of the time. They don't have, oh, she's fat. So we're not going to have sex with her and she'll never have kids. Like there's none of that. There's no oh, the guy or oh, look at his dick or whatever. There's none of that. It's like, there's a, uh, yeah, there's no body dysmorphia in those kinds of cultures. And no. it's, you know, I actually tell people this as part of, you know, I've gone several stints being homeless, some non-voluntary, some voluntary. The last few voluntary ones were, um, you know, living in tents and stuff, like in prominent places where you're not supposed to be just to prove council can't move you on and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, um, oh, well, that's part of it, you know, partly because I want to go through that journey as well of being homeless for, you know, six months, eight months, 12 months at a time. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that I, I took was never seeing my own reflection because you don't yeah. have a mirror. Mm-hmm. So all you're doing is operating in the world. You don't have any mirrors or anything. Like occasionally you'll have a booger hanging out your nose and you don't know. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter because someone will tell you, Oh mate, yeah, all right. Yeah, thanks. But you know, it's like you don't see yourself and it's really it's it's you only notice it. I didn't actually notice that when I was doing it. I noticed it when I got back into being in a house, going into people's houses or shops or whatever. And, oh, there's my reflection. Like I'll notice myself how I'm walking or I'll notice my face or my beard or something. I'm like, oh, oh, that's what I look like. You know, and it's like, it's a weird thing because in nature, aside from being in front of a still pool of water, you generally, and even then it's shimmering. You, you don't really have a high definition camera on you or, uh, you know, a mirror showing you in a year exact And it's really freeing because I think what it does is it does too much of this to us and makes us too self-conscious. When you don't have it, you're only looking at and appreciating others and not judging yourself. And when you judge yourself less, you're judging others less. And it was a really
0: interesting cycle to become conscious of. You're feeling yourself and appreciating others and notice how the world makes you. It's like more of a feeling life experience rather than like a visual experience. yeah, man, that's, that I, That really resonates with me. And somebody said, if you want to feel better, you've got to get better at feeling. And that's where I found breath work to be really powerful. Just lying on the ground. There's a teacher named Robin Clements, and he's got a lot of free stuff on SoundCloud. And literally you're just like inhaling deeply from your abdomen, like, and then passive exhale. So you're just lying on the ground, just like active inhale, passive exhale. And like sometimes I'll start to scream, and I've got neighbors, so I scream into my hand or a towel, uh, or I'll start to cry. I went to a breath work thing a couple of weeks ago. Literally, my mother's mother, so my grandmother DJ, came into my body, the young version of her came in for healing. Like it felt so real. And then, like the head, the people facilitating came over, and like I was pushing on their hands. And it was really powerful to just come out of the conscious mind and come into the subconscious, come into the body heal what needs to be healed clear the energy channels and you just feel so much better. Uh, yeah. And and you don't need any mirror. It's all a feeling, a feeling experience. If you want to feel better, you got to get better at feeling, feel, feel the shadow sides, you know?
3: Definitely. And you're all, you're almost never going to feel unless it's a judging you're you're only, if you're looking at a reflection of yourself or a photo, I don't think you're feeling you're only judging really. And so it's almost the complete opposite of everything
0: you just spoke about. Totally there's a woman on Instagram who I started following her name's sister Shanti and she offered a, a shadow and a mirror work course. So I took the courses and that was interesting, like to just be naked. I just, I do sometimes make it part of my practice to do my sexual Kung Fu naked in a full length mirror. And I'm like, wow, like there's still a lot of like judgment about my physical apparatus going on here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just like the practice of being naked. I keep showing up over and over again. It's like, oh, and then that judgment starts to melt away. So I can see the benefit if there's an intentional going to the mirror to, you know, practice just being with what is, I could see there being a benefit in that in terms of self-esteem. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Even Louise Hay talks about mirror mirror work, you know? Yep. And, And
3: I also will echo that whole part of being naked more often because, uh, It's uh, I think everybody goes through it, male, female in one way or another, based on our cultural society and everything. We do have some kind of judgment or body dysmorphia or even if it's not like not see for me, what it was was um, uh, not even really judge. I didn't really care. But at the end of the day, I, I just thought that I wasn't good enough, like an unworthy feeling. And so it's not that I was judging myself, down on myself, unhappy. I didn't actually didn't care at all. Like I was very comfortable with myself, but in that comfortability still didn't feel good enough for like the woman that I would want to be with or something like that. So therefore I just like, that was, I just didn't even really, I, even though women would like me, I would basically just repel them because I was like, well, how could you be interested in me? So do you know what I mean? So not unhappy, not depressed. Oh my God. Oh, I need to go on a diet or I need to like get a whatever, you know, I changed my body somehow. I mean, I was, I was fit anyway. It's like, that's, yeah, it's just the whole point is it wasn't like I was down on myself or anything. I was very happy, but I cut myself off from certain things because I felt unworthy of it. And that is still a form of dysmorphia and judgment. So being naked, uh, I always did for health reasons because I'm like, man, Look at all the people that are healthy in the world and these tribal cultures and that it's like, you're supposed to get stuff in the sun. You're not supposed to cover yourself. It's religion and things and society that tells us to cover ourselves. And because I was always rebellious, I'm like, well, I'm going to do the opposite to that. And then you actually start finding out that, Hey, you actually, it's better for your hormones. You make more testosterone. Everything's better if you get sun on your balls and it's like, you're a healthier being because the sun's good. You know, it's like, well, if the sun's good to get in my eyes and it's good to get on my torso why shouldn't I get it on my butt and my balls as well? And it just makes sense. Exactly. So then,
0: well, the sun's just come through, so I'm gonna I'm gonna at least take off my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, that feels so much. Yeah, it feels so much better. It's so freeing. It is um, freeing. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was I hang out with my dramatic new medicine crowd. You can take off your shirt if you want to at any time. Uh, well, the, well, I'm in a I'm in a house. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no there's no natural light on you. I guess that's yeah, that's yeah. fluorescent light. But anyway my uh one of my friends I I hang out with this Germanic new medicine crew once a week we kind of have a little secret potluck dinner and she was like oh I just she's this lovely German lady she's like I just watched your interview with Tom is he single yeah (laughs) Yeah, she's she's cute so yeah I'm sure the ladies will have you know they they love you they think you're sexy you're good to go Yeah. Uh, yeah but um that that's been another thing is like rooting myself in my divine Shiva, like my, my divine masculine polarity. Um, Then when I'm around women, I actually feel like I've got something to offer. Um, And when I was ejaculating all over the place, that feeling of having something to offer was far less. And so I can really like for any of the guys listening, if you find it hard to be, to be grounded around women and feel like you have value, stop ejaculating. Like literally just like do a 21 to 30 day reset, um, you know, and do some, the easiest way to transmute the energy is to just feel your arousal or feel your vitality and smile into that feeling. Cause then you're literally transmuting the raw sexual energy into joy. Yeah. Yeah. Then you feel you like, now I do these beautiful tantric experiences with, with women. Like there's three guys and three girls and we meet up and then we have 15, 15 to 20 minutes with each woman. And we just do, consensual tantric things, you know, whether it's feeding each other or putting coconut oil and cacao on, on certain body parts and licking it off. Like it's just so much easier for me to relate to women and to really just be that divine Shiva that I really feel is my original self. I mean, let's put it this way. I think that I'm a shaman. I really feel like I'm a shaman. So I feel like it's my job. Like many of the shamans in Canada before the white people came and killed them all. Like in First Nations cultures, they were what we would call the, the faggot. Uh, they, were, they were, you know, really good at embodying a man, really good at embodying a woman, you know, really good at being gay, really good at being straight, really good at being connected to the earth, really, they were good at sort of, you know, embodying these different archetypes, like being a shapeshifter. And now that I'm eating better, loving myself more, spending way more time in nature my access to the divine masculine is just so much easier than it was before. I I think we spoke about this last time. Like I felt like I was being shunted into this pinched off out of balance Shakti essence, you know, and it's, it's, I I feel like most of the world's in that place. Like there's a lot of crazy Shakti energy going on right now. So as men, if you've got a divine masculine essence, you got to do things that ground you in your Shiva polarity. Otherwise you'll get swept up. In the, I see like feminine energy is like the tornado and the masculine energy is like the center of the, the cyclone. And it just feels so much better to be the center of the cyclone. And, and, uh, and that's what, that's what I see in you. Uh, that's what I've seen people like, um, Tom Cowan as well. And Andy Kaufman grounded. It's what we need right now.
3: Yeah. Well, it's a good way of putting it. It's, um, yeah, I hear other people express it as like the masculine should just be a vast ocean of stillness, absolute stillness, and the feminine can dive in, can jump out, can swim around in it. And it's like it's the – I like the way you said it. It's like it's it's the grounding and it holds it down. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny too because when you go what, – what you said was really profound because it is when you start to get that and it's the energetic thing, you start to realize that uh, the most – like I've I've met the girl recently that I'm going to spend my life with because it's like, there's a very, uh, it's just something beyond just physical, even though she's one of the most beautiful women that I've met, like she's uh, she's very physically attractive and things as well. And it's, uh, but it's like, it's the thing is, it's more than that. And what she's attracted to or what women are attracted to, which men might not understand while they're in that whole you know, I've got to get an erection and go out on the town and try to get some pussy sort of thing. It's like they, the, the beautiful ones, they they're attracted to the energy. It's not like, Oh, he's bald or he's not six foot five or is, you know, that's mm-hmm. what men I think get into the trap of it's, it's because yes. men are very visual. They assume women have the same experience, but they don't. And if you have the right energy, it pretty much doesn't matter what you look like. The energy is what they're after. And especially if they are well-developed uh, uh, and connected women in themselves that is what they're after. The ones that are like the uh, the $2 hose or whatever you call them, the, the film clip kind of ones shaking their ass in the camera all the time, they probably are after the steroid-laden, uh, you know, rich driving a Ferrari, uh, whatever, on Viagra the whole time kind of guys. And, and it's all about that sort of status and looks and whatever. But yeah. if you're a guy who's developing and, and progressing through his own consciousness and life, the, those sorts of women aren't even – you don't even think about them. They're not like part of your reality. You are – wanting to attract beauty and and the equivalent and that's what they are attracted to in you it's that part of you that they find attractive and uh yeah i mean you went through a lot of good things i was going to comment on but uh that's one of the
0: things that's great i mean that for me it just feels like i mean there was a lot of talking Kundalini yoga about the aquarian age that we're in now which is about a sharing of knowledge. And we're all gods. We're all goddesses. And that's what I love about sexuality. It's not meant to be a cheap $2 hoe thing. It's meant to be like, wow, look at this beautiful goddess in front of me, or look at this beautiful God in front of me. And also feeling like the God that you are. Um, and then Montauk Chia talks a lot about how sex is meant to be a meditative balancing experience where like the man will gift his excess young to the female and the female will gift her excess yin to the male. And it's a very, like, for the male, like, I'm a very, like, overheated person. Not This is not said to be a homophobic thing. But when I was having sex with men, I it was heating me up even more. And then I was getting headaches, and it was, like, very ungrounding. Whereas now that I'm doing more intimate things with with divine feminine beings, it's very cooling. It's very cooling for the system. Um, you don't even have, it doesn't even have to be with a woman. It could be with the earth, with mother earth. Like Montauk Chia teaches this technique where you come on all fours. You don't arouse yourself. You stay flaccid. You literally imagine you're receiving blue feminine energy from the earth through your penis, up your spine, uh, into the center of your brain. You, you store this sort of cool feminine energy there. Um, so it's, it's just amazing. And all these things become possible when we retain our, our semen, Like, it's not like you never ejaculate, but it's like most guys are like literally doing it way too much. So they're always in a state of ejaculation hangover. So when I work with men, I'm like, okay, just try not ejaculating for like 30 days. Then they start to actually feel their balls come back online. Then they can actually not just visualize these things that we're talking about, but they can actually start to feel these things.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And that's where I feel the power is in, in the feeling. And I think that's what you were talking about with like getting away from the mirror and living homeless and just being in your own being and just like getting by in a feeling way is like, you know, I, I really believe that truth is felt in the body. And I think that's a really great, brave thing to do is to like live in a tent and just like be, be with yourself. That's, that's really epic.
3: Yeah. It has its carry on effect. You know, it's always, so it's like one of those things men have always gone off into the wild for a while or men test themselves. It's like a different rite of passage than, than women go through. And I think not enough men are going through those sorts of things. So we live in a very, very dumbed down and weak world, you know, and we have to actually go out to find ways to test ourselves the way we used to be tested as men, you know, like doing jujitsu, like actually getting tested physically or putting yourself out in the wild for a few days, seeing if you can survive. Those sorts of things are what men always did and that we don't do now because we've got our own cars, air conditioners, like we don't have to go more than a – a- any amount of time at all without getting food cuz even if you have got none you can get it delivered to your house you can dial a pizza or yeah whatever it's just like a very very fake way that we live we never we don't go hungry often and we don't go hungry for things like uh you know s- sex is another thing because it's like you can dial a hooker or you can go and ejaculate to, uh porn on the internet or it's just like it's just around all the time whereas yeah. back in the day you would actually go a long period of time without seeing a woman for example because you might be off hunting or you might be exploring or you might be going uh, tr- whatever it is it's just it wasn't always there on tap to appease your needs which aren't needs they're like egoic projections all of the time whereas in our society that's why fasting is something that's good in modern society because uh, it's something that we are surrounded by in our culture anyway not everyone in the world obviously but we're surrounded by food all of the time where there's, you know, so it's just some of these things and abstaining from uh, even sexual activity, or at least abstaining from ejaculation is a good thing to do because it grounds us more into our essence where we're not meant to be constantly gratified and entertained and titillated and everything else. We're not, that's not supposed to be constantly, because that does drain us. And what I liked about what you said about your tantric experience is, is that the way you're describing it, you would feed someone or put oil on them or whatever. You're not trying to gratify yourself. It's a giving expression. It's totally different from wanting to get something out of something. I need to get my rocks off. Right. And, and therefore, I'm going to use you as a vessel to do that. You know, like most men pretty much masturbate inside of a woman. They don't make love to them or they don't like, it's not a shared experience. They're not giving. They're like taking. And women do it too. That's why they get all the hormones get all messed up by things like the pill and and like uh, the chemicals they put all over themselves and inside of themselves and the Instagram that they're on all day. And like, that's messing everybody up. And so it's, it's really important to get back to a sense of nature and a sense of connection and do exactly what you were saying and be more about, you know, what, what can I, what can we share through this experience and what is in, what, what's in it at a higher level than just that base, Level And, hey, by the way, though, every now and then, nothing wrong with that primal instinctual just bend a woman over and have your way with it because they love that, too. You know, oh, it's not yeah. all about the whole I'm enlightening myself thing. It's like there's a there's a time and a place for everything and, and, and everything's got its place. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you know the sex teacher Kim Anami, uh, but she talks about how like women, there's a global pandemic called Fukme going on, like severely underfucked women just like a huge pandemic of it. So, um, uh, you know, and then she talks about like super cock, like having a super cock. It's not about the size it's about like inhabiting your cock with your consciousness. I've seen David data lead workshops where he'll get like a guy to come up on the stage and say, like, imagine that your cock is like just taking up the whole space, you know, and it's your job to enlighten her, you know, imagine she's sucking your your cock and it's your job to enlighten her with your cock, you know? And I just love that, you know, just really,
3: you know, what's really interesting about that? I agree. What's really interesting about that is probably half the people listening to this, or maybe our audiences might be more switched on, but you send it out to a mainstream audience, 80% of them are going to go, that's degrading to women or, right. or something to that effect. They're going to take it like that. Like a man thrusting his cock in her mouth and she's you're you do your job. Like that's how they'll take it. But there is something so divine and that polarity of the masculine and the feminine because a woman that is in touch with her feminine and her masculine and is very centered in herself will say she absolutely loves having a cock in her mouth. It gives her great pleasure, gives her great pleasure, not just because she's receiving great pleasure, but because what she's giving to her man, it gives the man great pleasure, not just because of what he's receiving, but what he's able to give and receive also from her. It's this delicate balance and dance That is of pure love and it's got nothing to do with dirtiness, which is a religious construct or degradation, which is a brand new societal uh, construct, because yes, that stuff happens. You do get men that are very forceful and that's what they call toxic masculinity. All women should bow before me and get on their knees and do that for me. Uh, But that's not what goes on in a loving uh,
0: and consensual uh, practice like that. Well, this is exactly it. And you know, what's really degrading towards women is what I used to do. Like my lowest of lows, I haven't ever shared this publicly, but I'll share it now was this is when I knew I had a Coke problem. This was back in 2015. I was at a staff Christmas party and I was bored. So I did a line of Coke in the bathroom and I thought, I'm going to hire a prostitute now. So I went onto Craigslist and I hired a prostitute. She came over and sucked my dick. And as she was sucking my cock, I was like, this is so not your highest self right now. Like you need to stop. And like, she, you know, and then she was like, Oh, okay. Like, do you want to have full on sex with me? Like you got to pay me an extra $400. And I was like, just like, so I was like, William, stop it. Like, stop doing the Coke, stop hiring prostitutes. You need to clean up your act. And that was like the, that was little seed that planted this, like seeing myself having my dick sucked by this prostitute was like, this is not who I'm meant to be on this planet. And so, What To to your point, it's like you can do things when you're tuned in, tapped in, turned on. And you can do things when you're pinched off from your higher self. When that pillar is not strong, it's going to be a low-frequency thing, like hiring a prostitute and having her suck your dick. Mm -hmm. But the same act can be a very high-frequency thing when you yourself have been tending to your frequency and um, grounding yourself in your divine masculine. Because David Data says attraction and sexual chemistry is based in polarity. So when you're doing things that literally are masculinizing yourself on a biochemical hormonal level, like not ejaculating everywhere, you got more testosterone to work with eating certain herbs. Like I fucking love shilajit. I don't know if you, if you're into shilajit at all, but like literally, like I, I actually open the cap and I, I take the shilajit it's, it's purified in the traditional Ayurvedic way. It's from a company called chalk. Mm -hmm. Um, it's organic. It's like really, really good. I've
3: heard of that. What's that company called?
0: Chalk. C-H-O-Q. Yeah. It comes from Russia or something. It's from the Himalayas. It's, it's basically the, yeah, okay. it's mountain sweat. <laughs> yeah. Right. No,
3: I've just, I've heard of that exact one. Somebody said it cause my friend was after and they go, Oh, you gotta, you gotta do this chalk. And I'm like, I remember thinking it was a, a funny word. I'm like, Oh, I remember that word. Cause it's different. And then
0: I'm like, what was that? word? And you just said it. And I'm like, that's Ooh. the one. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. Chalk is like the best. I take the chalk shilajit. And I take the Irish moss, which is like a seaweed that's got lots of iodine minerals in it. So like, if I just want to feel more like a man, I'll just open up the cap, like it's just a veggie cap and I'll taste the shilajit. It tastes so bad. It tastes so bad, but like, I can feel the potency of it. And they've actually done clinical studies on the specific shilajit from chalk. And over eight weeks, men's free- testosterone went up on average 21 percent
2: mm-hmm.
0: so even in a scientific realm it's been confirmed um, that it works but i actually literally feel it, and i feel it more if i actually force myself to taste it rather than just swallow the pill that's
3: really interesting because you're feeling that because that's the thing like when you take it in a pill you're bypassing it's like having a c-section as opposed to a vaginal birth you're supposed to get all of the fluids and everything through that vaginal canal you're not supposed to be taken out of the stomach. And I really do think if you're taking a lot of your medicines and you're bypassing the initial contact and communication with the substance, whatever it is, you're missing out on something. I totally, I I really like what you just said. I was just laughing before though, because it's twice you've said it. You said, you said it for yourself first. And now with people just ejaculating everywhere, and I just keep getting this, like, like what's in your room, like in your house, just everywhere, because it brought up images of a South Park episode where uh randy i think it was it's just like in a room it's literally just covered in same <laughs> it's just like funny is, things like programmed friend. images <laughs> that i get like you hear trigger words or a phrase said a certain way and you're just like yeah.
0: that's what comes to my mind <laughs> well it's, it's funny because if you, like most people think that's what sex is because they've been trained by porn that it's just like you know bodies rubbing together and then just ejaculate everywhere um and so the more subtle things, everything from like a subtle eye gazing session with another person to like full on ravishing a woman and like, you know, throwing her in, on the bed and being a little bit more intense. Like there's just so much like I always say like it's about cultivating more colors in our sexual paint palette to work with. Yeah, you know, For and, sure.
3: and it's the, about reading the energy like uh, you, which you just alluded to, like sometimes it is the right to just, you know, like just throw her down and just have your way with her. And other times it's there to do eye gazing and not even have penetration. It's like there's a dance there. And yeah. you ask most women who are you know in tune with themselves, their pet peeve with sex, it's just that men treat it like porn. They try to have porn sex with him, and yeah. it, it satisfies them zero. It's like they get nothing out of it where they need that kind of dynamic. And is it, it is a dance and it's like each time it's going to be different. You don't just go through a routine of she does this and I do that. And then we do this and then it's done. It's like, it shouldn't be a routine uh, at all. Um, I do have a question for you though, if it's okay not to answer it, but obviously from your uh, experiences, I, I've always wondered because people ask me, they always say, um, and it comes from a prejudice. It comes from a, the question usually comes from a prejudice against, uh, you know gay people and a lot of people suggest that it's a programmed thing or it's this or it's related to chemicals so the question my question for you is having had the experiences Mm -hmm. um i've got my own kind of thoughts on it but with your experiences do you feel that homosexuality in men in particular is just some really are just made that way or do you feel as well that in modern society especially there is an element of being uh taken out of your nature and then going into that kind of, um, that nature yourself. Yeah. Well, what's your thoughts on that?
0: That's a really great question. And the things that I'm going to say now are going to trigger people, especially people who identify as a gay man, because people have literally made hate pages about me for saying these types of things, but this is honestly what I feel. We are, we all start as female in the womb, um, and then if you've got X, Y chromosomes, the, there's a trigger for the balls to start to descend, the ovaries descend, then they turn into the testicles. And then the labia f- folds over to turn into the scrotum. And then the clitoris through the influence of testosterone starts to grow into the penis. So I honestly believe that there is a, just like there's a dumbing down of our psyches, there's a dumbing down of our masculinity because men who are uh, not fully developed are a lot more easy to control. We're seeing that now with all the men doing nothing, just complacent, watching Netflix, getting their Krispy creams, and uh, basically just allowing their balls to be shrunk back into their bodies. David Data says attraction's based in polarity. So if you're not fully developed as a man, of course you're going to be more attracted to get it. You need that masculine polarity. If it's not in you, you're going to need it from another man or a really, really butch woman who has really a lot of masculine energy. So it's not good or bad, but I always say, let's purify ourselves. Let's get the atrazine out of our systems and just see how you feel. And then from that place, you will know who you truly are. Uh, And as I alluded to before, um, I think personally, I'm a shaman and when the white people when the colon, when the colonizers came over to Canada I studied this in in um, in university i did i studied uh it was a minor in uh, sociology of sexuality and they called the shamans the ber- berdache and berdash in French means prostitute or slut and these shamans were usually biological males who had like a a very strong divine masculine energy, but also a very strong divine feminine energy. And so they killed those ones off first. And so I believe that there's a very small percentage of the population of, of males who are meant to be, I like the word two-spirit, who are, who are really good at embodying a man and a woman energy in one incarnation. But then I feel like a lot of the, the increase in the gender dysphoria and the homosexuality that we're seeing now is being fueled by these chemicals. So, so to answer your question personally, I think I meant to be what this culture would call bisexual. Um, But I think that like, I went from being hardcore, like, Oh my God, like even my voice is a lot lower now that I, that I've been doing these things uh, such as, you know, being in nature and you know eating really good food and not ejaculating all over the the fucking room. Uh, so yeah to to answer your question, I think that very small percentage of the population throughout time and space has been a two-spirit. It's but now it's like everybody's fucking two like everybody's like gender dysphoric and and it's it's um that's that's sort of my my two cents on it. I even look at somebody, I don't know if you're familiar with Shaman Durek. He so he's um like he's dated guys. Now he's dating the princess of Norway. And you know, it's it's like before I thought I was like this raging mo, but now I would say I'm like soul honestly soul sexual and my discernment for the type of partners that I'm into is drastically different because I'm taking good care of myself. Now I can sense if somebody's also taking good care of themselves. Yeah. And so like, even like smell, like I'm a big smell guy. Like if somebody doesn't smell right, I'm like, Oh, like the, the interesting thing is with this men's group that I'm in, there are a bunch of attractive straight men. Like there's 10 of us. I don't have a desire to like get fucked in the ass by any of them or to suck any of their dicks. But my desire of like, maybe to like fall asleep, you know, in one of their laps or something that's there. And then that makes me think about what you were talking about how men in ancient times, they weren't always around women. They were off hunting together. And I would imagine that it would have been cold in certain places and they might've like cuddled each other in a very sort of, platonic comfort way. And so that compulsion to get fucked in the ass has gone way down in my psyche. Mm -hmm. And the, the male male sort of bonding was what I always wanted. That's, that was sort of the crux of, of the desire. And I believe that desire is very pure. And I I think it's actually very, um, like evolutionarily adaptive, uh, because it releases oxytocin and it bonds men together. Like I think of the Spartans. They would perform certain bonding you know, yeah. rituals with each other. They all had wives, but they would also perform these bonding rituals so they'd be more apt to protect each other in battle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, th- I just think that it's, bl- it's been blown way out of proportion. Guys don't really... So many of them are just so toxic. They don't even know what end is up. That's sort of my... Yeah. That's my I,
2: that's,
3: That was my suspicion. I just, you know, it's I, I, it's not something that I'm an expert in by any means. I just, have, you know, through dealing with people and understanding the body in certain ways, and I just want, I, yeah, I'm really. Thanks for sharing because it's really uh, solidified some of the theories that I had. Because you know, growing up, I was definitely around some very, very masculine men, but it wasn't like fashionable to be gay at all, and they were very masculine. You found out that they were gay, and it's like, whoa, you just wouldn't have picked that at all. Like don't exhibit it in any ways or or whatever. And I just kind of feel, I was like, that just seems like God made him that way. But then people who like follow the Bible and and are not even just religious, but spiritual, see it as like an abomination. And that's like, you can't be that. And I'm like, but it it doesn't seem like that to me, but the amount of people that are exhibiting either gender dysmorphia or homosexuality does seem like it's a fashionable thing or it's toxicity related. But it's also a polarity. And it's funny because some of the toughest warriors were the Spartans of Greece. And they are known to have had anal sex with each other. And like you said,
0: other bonding rituals. And well, there's, uh, there's even a tribe in, well, there's many different things, but there's one greeting in many tribes. Like I think there's still 100 tribes that are uncontacted by the West yet. Mm-hmm. They wear penis cones. Like literally the dudes just have like a little belt and there's just like a wooden cone on their dick and their balls are just hanging. The way that the guys greet each other is they hold each other's ball sacks. They look into each other's eye and they say like, I see you, bro. Essentially. Yeah. Right. You know, in our culture, we'd say, well, those guys are gay, but really they're just, that's just how they greet each other. And so, interesting. you know, shaman, Wendy, Mandy, she said, That in many ancient cultures, there were two types of guys. There are the alpha males who often had many, many wives and many, many children. So I would say you would have been like an alpha male. You are sort of a modern day sort of embodiment of that archetype. Then you'd have somebody like me who would be the shaman. And when the alpha males got a bit out of balance, the shamans would just kind of keep a peaceful thing going on, they chant burn some incense, do some rituals to try to just keep things calm. When the women were on their periods, they were considered to be too powerful. This is in many Canadian First Nations tribes for the alpha males to be around. So they would all go to the red tent, whatever they call it. And the shaman would take the alpha males into the forest and help them with healing. And some of that healing would, would be sexual healing interesting yeah
3: There's a lot. There's a, that's i mean i've heard uh, similar things but not to that degree so that's really interesting to hear and just from from my own point of view uh you know how you said like uh i mean i've done like warrior type stuff i've been in security i have played football done martial arts yeah wrestling jiu-jitsu and all that but mm. not ever I, I find the activity to be bonding with with the brothers but i could never imagine being in a men's group in the forest, for example, I'm wanting to lay my head in a guy's lap. Like there's some polarity where I just physically, and I'm not anti like any, any other people doing that like that. Like I have three or four uh, gay friends in this area and people know when they're being judged. Right. And they know that when they're around me, they know I don't judge them at all. I'm completely, yeah, they do what they want. It's like, everything's fine. But I personally don't have there's not one fiber of my being that would want to in any way be uh, intimate or or whatever with another man. And I'm wondering though, my my question for myself is I'm wondering, DeWine, is there an element of me? Is that a natural thing? Is that a natural? I have such a polarity in the masculine that anything else masculine is just like completely repelled, like a magnet. Like my girlfriend, for example, is one of the most feminine things I've ever come across. She's so soft and so sensitive and that's what I'm really attracted to. I can't ever imagine myself, I can imagine myself huddling for body warmth, but never it being in a like anything other than a huddling sense. However, my mm-hmm. question for myself, is that a polarity thing that's natural or do I have some element because we all have it of trauma or something that is preventing me from having any, like you said, even the most masculine alphas in, the, in those tribes would have some sexual experience to handle that. And yeah, I'm wondering myself, like having listened to now, I'm going, do I need some sort of healing to get beyond that ability to like, yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, the, the cult that runs this planet knows that male bonding activities, they don't, it doesn't have to, it's not about anal sex necessarily, but even, even like two guys hugging without having to hit each other aggressively on the back because Oh shit, if I, if I hug slightly too long, does it mean I'm a faggot? Right. They know that homophobia makes men weak because it keeps men separate. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it helps to, it's a cog in the wheel of the dominator system. It's it. Homophobia helps to increase competition and comparison between men. And so the question I would ask you is like, When you hug another dude, does that feeling of like, oh shit, like what if people think I'm a faggot ever come up? Because it still comes up for me. And I'm
3: not a judgment thing. Well, I'll put it this way. I just, this just came to me, which is really interesting. Uh, In jujitsu, for example, you basically hug everyone. It's like the thing, it's your greeting. You kind of like grab hands and you you hug. It's like real natural to do. Uh, If my Australian friends I would never kiss one of my Australian male friends on the cheek, for example. However, I also, I do Argentine tango and there's Mm. been people come over like men come over from Argentina, don't know whether they're gay, straight, whatever, can't really tell, Mm. but it's very, very natural. There is no hesitancy, hesitancy in me whatsoever. When they greet you, you do like a on the cheek and give them a hug and I do it. And after I'm like, why did I not have anything against doing that? That felt so normal. But I would never. I just, I just absolutely wouldn't do it to an Australian male friend. It's just, and I'm like, I, I, they, that was in their culture. I did it. I didn't feel anything around doing it. It didn't feel gay. It didn't feel like a polarity. It didn't feel anything. It felt like a very much a hello. It felt exactly the same as shaking a mate's hand. So yeah. that's why I wonder. I'm like, is there? Does it depend on the other? Does it depend on what energy they hold about um, the action, for example? Because yeah, if I was to. I just wouldn't, even if a mate's like lost his dog or he's, and he's like crying or something. I'm like, I can't really hug you, man.
0: It's like, I just, I just can't. Yeah. It's just who you are. It's who you are. I mean, who know, who knows what it is. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, just what you said, like what feels natural in the moment? What, mm-hmm. like what's the energy and what's the, as you said before to intention, what's the intention? Um, The falling asleep in another guy's lap. For me, that's not sexual. You know, it's, and it's interesting. I had a buddy over the other night, five years ago, I would have been, this is very, but I've got no filter. I would have had a boner and there would have been pre-cum coming out of my dick. And at we, he came over and we kind of, halfway through the movie, I put my arm around him and he kind of put his head and he's a straight guy. He's got a girlfriend and it just felt so good. When he left, I went, I wonder like, what my dick's doing right now. So, because I hadn't gotten an erection and I went to the bathroom and I felt like to see if there was any pre-cum and there was no pre-cum. And I was like, that's really interesting. Cause he's a very attractive man. And five years ago, I would have fucking, ejac- there'd be ejaculate all over the fucking room. You know, like <laughs> there would have been a liquid, you know, there, yeah. So <laughs> it would have been a South Park experience. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, so that was an interesting thing and there's nothing wrong with being aroused by another man. But now that I, I'm more in the masculine polarity, it's just a different thing,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know? And, and I love, like I really love the feeling of oxytocin that gets released when you hug another human, whether they're male or female. Yeah. And I love the feeling of really being in my body when I'm doing so. I love the feeling of being in my body all the time now. And, for most yeah. of my life, I was so traumatized and just not not a, in a place of self-love that I wasn't really in my body.
3: Sure, yeah. And I, I, I just think, I mean, everything you're saying, it just does make me think that me and people like me are more, it, it, we really naturally like that. Because if you watch like a bunch of lions or tigers or massive gorillas or something, big, strong animals, They'll all lay around on each other, male, female, whatever. There's no like get away from me, you're another man sort of thing. I mean, there is if there's competition over a mate, but yeah, uh, but just in the normal general downtime, like you know, like lions and tigers will drink in the same lake next to a gazelle, but if it's not time to hunt them, they don't just they're not just going to kill it for no reason. They yeah. only kill it when it's time to hunt for food, and likewise, they don't always fight each other unless it's over you know a mate or territory or whatever. And quite often, you'll see like alphas in groups laying around with each other and stuff. And so I just think I look at the natural world and I go, how much of me is still as much as I, you know, have worked very hard on being very in touch with nature and myself and everything else. Obviously there's still a long way to go And having this conversation with you because this isn't a conversation I've had with many people because, or anyone actually, because they they either don't share the experiences that you shared or aren't open about it or aren't open to talking about it or whatever so i've never been able to actually ask these questions and by asking questions of you because it interests me it's actually making me ask questions of myself you know is there an element of myself that i've been neglecting or that i'm still shielded from you know like it, it's it's really good i'm really thankful for that
0: thanks brother thank you thank you because i feel like we're teaching and sharing you know good good uh good vibrations with each other. And, um, you know, I, I really love jujitsu and there's something it's like, you're literally getting smushed. (laughs) I remember, I remember this like really big heavyset guy was like, he was one of the senseis and like, it was my turn to go with him. And I was like, Oh shit. And like, he was literally smushing me. And I was like, dude, you're smushing me. And he's like, that's the point. And I was like, fuck, (laughs) <laughs> but but in general, I really like jujitsu because it feels very empowering. It's almost like it's a form of yoga and it helps me like cultivate my boundaries. And there is an element I can feel like when I'm wrestling with another human, like oxytocin is getting released because you're so close with them. Like good hormones, life-giving things are getting released from inside the body as you're doing this sport. And it's just like a feeling of being alive, you know, like I'm no longer scared of like being seen as a faggot when I get naked in the woods with my buddies and we, we do cold plunging and then we get in a circle and we're like, do it. We, we call it the wild man activation. So we're, we're in like a, a horse stance and we're just like, ah, ah, ah. Ah, and then we like, you know, we come into like a squat and we're like this. And then we like hug each other at the end and they've all got wives and stuff. And I just feel like that shaman, you know, back in the day, like bringing the alpha males into the forest and we're, we're healing, you know, we're grounding each other. And it's like, even Montauk Chia says that, uh, when men come together to do these types of bonding rituals there, he says, iron sharpens iron. So uh, there's some sort of invisible life-giving substance that gets transmitted in experiences like that which makes me feel more like a man. And then paradoxically in that faggoty experience, I become more attracted to very highly feminine people which tend to be ladies. And the the highly feminine ladies tend to become more attracted to me. So that's where I feel the dominator system's done a good job through the medical industrial complex and through school and religion at, at injecting this, homopho- this homophobia into our psyches because then that nullifies any sort of benefit that a ritual like doing wild man activation in the forest with a bunch of dudes would give one. So I don't advocate, you know, don't, I'm not telling guys listening to this who, you know, who who want to work on their internalized, you know, blocks to like go have butt sex. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying like hug another dude without any fear or without needing to like hit him aggressively on the back, just like heart to heart, just hug and breathe and let that be a life-giving experience. You know, I think of the Maoris who, when they greet each other, they they put their foreheads together and they just, you know, some, some, like some of some people listening to, it, well, that's a faggoty thing to do, but it's like actually very grounding. And say that to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. to one of the Maoris? Yeah. Yeah. Say that to one of
3: their faces. It uh, probably wouldn't go too
0: well. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. I think you guys are being a bunch of faggots over there. <laughs> and that's what I love about the, um, the Maori is the haka. They do that haka mm. ritual. And that to me is similar to what I do with my bros in in nature. It's like they're not wearing much clothes, they're getting loud, they're making sound, and and it really is an iron sharpening iron experience. And and that's what I that's what I love. And it's it's um it's it's life, it's it feels good. It feels good. It's awesome.
3: Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I I really feel like you know this whole last hour I've been learning from you, which is really great because it's something that it's something that I work with people on a lot is their uh, their integration and their connection to themselves and and uh, I can't actually remember having a lot of people that have spoken about either gender confusion or sexuality or anything like that. And so it's great to have been able to you know pick your brain and get a different perspective on some of this. A lot of it solidified what I'd thought already. Which is great, and then uh, some of it's really opened up questions for me to question some of my own journey of how how well developed I've actually become and what I might have to be able to you know work on in the as I move forward so it's it's great, really cool
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. thank you so much for for all your wisdom and uh and for your i don't even know if it's the word brave i mean you are you are brave, just thank you for just being thank you for speaking your truth. Cause that, you know, that, that really empowered me to, to speak up as well. Um, I was brought up to not really rock the boat, but then I realized like me just being authentically myself is going to rock the boat. Yeah. And so to see you just speak so calmly about how viruses don't exist in the way we were taught and you just like very matter of fact, it was a really, it was really good for me to see that. Cause then something was activated in me and I was like, okay, I can, I can be like that too. It doesn't have to be a long song and dance. I don't have to, um, it doesn't, there doesn't have to be any drama. I can just speak my truth. Mm-hmm. So thank you, brother. I appreciate that.
3: Yeah. Welcome. Glad it helps. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm sure we'll have to do another all the chat one
0: day as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. If you're ever up in, in uh, Vancouver, Come do the wild man activation with us sometime. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> it's basically just a lot of like jumping and like shaking and growling and a lot of cold plunging. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. Let me just double check. I didn't have any other questions for you. Yeah, that was everything. Cool. All right. Where, where can people go to, uh, to connect with you if they want to book us? Cause, Cause you do like one-on-one, like basically health coaching sessions, eh?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do that. It's best by email, which is info at And then, uh, yeah, all my content. Cause I, a couple of last videos I did got taken off YouTube. Cause apparently I was giving false information about health and stuff. <laughs> so they got taken off. And so um that's why I've set up the site as tombarnett.tv. Awesome. And uh that's currently it's just a landing page, there's a mailing list. There's kind of no rush to launch that site because I'm still on Facebook and YouTube. But obviously I'm getting more and more censored, more and more shadow banned. So as you can't find me on those platforms, everything that I've already done and will do will be on that platform. So uh tombarnett.tv and that's where you can go and all the content's on there.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Tom, again, for being on the show. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to check out Tom's work, go to tombarnett.tv. And again, if you want to reach out to him to book a session, it's uh, info at globalbiodynamics.com. And if you want to check out my music and my offerings in Tantra, yoga, semen retention, and sexual kung fu, you can head over to willblunderfield.ca. It's all my music and stuff as well at willblunderfield.ca. slash home and um yeah i wish you guys a beautiful day wherever you are in this beautiful world and please do check in next week for our interview with the one and only dr andrew kaufman a psychiatrist medical doctor who is one of the few medical doctors uh who i who i really resonate with so that's sure to be an an awesome discussion as well have a great day guys
1: You are more than what I see When we're together close and warm I see more I just want you to know That I sing my song for you You've been called me It's all the same Allah, Krishna, Rama About the sweet things in life We just go too fast On this track To see what we have left behind What we can find On this road